Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Run Fast on Raw Dog Serious XM Comedy Hits Channel 99 Run and Fez show. 866 Run Zero Fez. 866 Run Zero Fez. Are you ready for some foosball? Some American foosball. God, yes. It starts tonight. Thank you. The Seattle Seattles are playing the Green Bay Green Base. It's going to be a barn burner. It's going to light a barn on fire. It's going to kill animals and hurt the farm's business, actually. I, for one, am going to miss preseason. Really? Yes. Didn't even know who was playing it last preseason. That was the excitement. No, I want to see the stars. Yeah. I want to see your Aaron Rodgers, your Russell Wilsons. Percy Harvin, even. I wish that when Wilson came out, they would just do like a, Hello, Mr. Wilson! They do, they do chant a fish song. There's a fish song called Wilson. And like when it's being played, they say, Wilson! And they do that at the stadium now. At, at, at they just stole that from Daryl. That's the old <laughs> Daryl chant. Trey Anastasio's a hack. Yeah. I didn't know. mean that for real. We know... Uh, well, it is the excitement is through the roof. Uh, football is back. Uh, we've got the world's funniest uh, football contest going on, where comedians are going to be playing the eliminator game that we've now dubbed Highlander. There can only be one. Fez Highlander. There can be only one comedian football challenge. One comedian will live forever in infamy, never to be forgotten. There can be only one. think that intro is a little too subtle? I worry that it's too subtle. Everyone needs to understand that winning this Eliminator Challenge is for everything. And it uh, you will be remembered forever. Oh my god, yes. And you get a signed goddamn Joe Montana. Well, it's Joe Montana, Jim Kelly, Tony Dorsett, Bruce Smith, Tony Gonzalez, Chris Johnson, Jim McMahon, Eddie George, Dwight Clark... Sean Alexander, the list goes on and on. Um, that all happened at a Super Bowl party. It's a helmet, uh, the helmet of a champion, the helmet of a true tr- Highlander. And at the end of this season, one of these people will put on that helmet and become the greatest Highlander comedian football <laughs> picker ever. Um, 
I'm going to tell you right now, I have big hopes for Tammy Pascadelli. She's really into it. She was texting me last night. Like I'm She's fired sorry. up. Yeah, yeah. She's she... fired up. She's a thinker, though. Yeah. I'm going to give you another name that I think could do very well. By the way, if you want to see the entire list of names, go over to the iBang. Under Highlander, there can only be one football challenge. Um, I believe Dan St. Germain is going to come in today and jump into this. Um, I don't. There's. Well, I don't have any hopes at all for Tom Rhodes. <laughs> I feel like Vic Henley could be gigantic with this. Martling, I think, could shock the world. I don't have any real belief in Gary Goldman or Nick Turner. I just don't see them at football, guys. Gino Bisconte is a favorite. Yeah, he's a front runner. Bert Kreischer, if he isn't too drunk, I think would do well. This name just joined last night. One of the biggest names in comedy today, Hannibal Burris. Hell yeah. That's exciting. He has a new tour out. That's up on the eye bang. So there's just so much. Robert Kelly, I think, could shock everyone. Jay Moore and Jim Florentine have to be considered favorites. Big Jay Okerson and Jimmy Schubert will only bet the Eagles. Michael Ian Black, I don't see him winning at all. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I expect an ironic pick from him. The Jags, week one? Louis J. Gomez, I expect no, nothing don't, out of. Don't expect, don't expect him to go far. Uh, Pete Davidson, no. Mike Botticelli, no. Dan Soder, I think he can surprise us all. Don Jameson has got to be considered a, a favorite. I have a good feeling about Ari Shafir, that he's going to go far. I don't know where that's coming from. Neither do I. But I just feel like he's, he's into it. He... It, Takes drugs. So? He hallucinates. <laughs> yeah. He takes a lot of drugs. By the way, you are such a jinx. What? That whoever you pick, <laughs> it's, it's seriously. I'm feeling good about Ari. Ari's you might mom. as well just cough germs on them. <laughs> well, he said like everyone was a front runner yesterday, so pretty okay. much. Okay, you know what? Let's not work backwards. We're talking you know, we're about today. Today is your day. I saw you have a tough time in a little pre-game meeting where guys were basically telling you to shut up. I don't want you seen that way. I want you to become a regular person. All right? I want you to be a real boy like Pinocchio. Does it hurt your feelings when they treat you that way? I sort of. I mean, I just try to run, you know, I guess plays like you'd run in practice, and I get treated like I'm confused. when I'm I saw it. I saw it go down that way. And I saw even when you explained yourself, neither one of them looked up at you. Because one of them just went, I'll do it. And you said, look, I'm oh, not, yeah. <laughs> not confused. I'm just checking up. And nobody would even acknowledge you then. Dysfunctional. No, oh, very. Dysfunctional. Well, I've just assumed now that Shelby has no feelings. See, it's a hurt. <laughs> that's not helpful to what we're doing. Now, by the way, Gino Bisconte uh, knows so much about sports. Uh, he actually does Gino's sexy NFL picks, uh, and that will be up on the Interbank. Other than the others on the other side of sports, part of that. Who's he picking tonight? All right, tonight he says, "Take it, lock it up, take Seattle at minus six. And I've seen him going at minus five and a half on some sites. I kind of, I kind of agree with that. Richard Sherman might just kill Jordy Nelson. I mean, this thing, it, this is not look, looking well, good. Well, I mean, you're, you're coming out off your Super Bowl win. Always the first game people are pumped up for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Today, they play like a champion. 
to next week, it won't mean shit. They'll already thought, like, oh, we're starting all over again. But since 2005, no returning Super Bowl champion, I believe, has even won a playoff game the following year. Oh, my God. We haven't had anybody go back-to-back in forever. Yeah, since the... Look over at me and follow what I'm telling you to do. Check on that. Look at me and then check on it. Okay? I gotta tell people what to do in the other room. Um, looks like because we're having some early morning phone problems. Give us a call at 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I want this considered bigger than Sports Center this year. Yeah. I think the comedy should be way back burner, and we're just talking 24 hours a day about football, trades, whatever we need to do. I'm in. I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah. I'll run it past Gil. I'm sure he's with it. Uh, I think he's for a complete format change right now. NFL takeover. New yeah. Three. <laughs> if he's ready for an NFL takeover, that's the way to go. It's all we're going to care about, I'm man. pretty sure I don't even have to check with him. I just know he wants I'm to I'm going to get the imaging change. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> It's on now. And then what we should do is try to put a list of football players together to pick who they think is the funniest comedian. I'd love to know what Eli thinks. All right. Uh, I'm not getting anything up on the board with the phones. Are you hearing anything back from the other room? No, I'm not. So I imagine that they're attempting to uh, fix the phones over there. Whatever needs to happen. But one of the things, and I think you brought this up in the pregame, Shelby, is we've got to talk back and forth. You know, somebody should be in Chris's ear right now. Like, what's going on? This is like the big game. And no one, you know, the the fucking helmet, you know, <laughs> thing where you go like this to the quarterback. All right, you're going to walk up and take the snap. You're going to do it on three. Drop back five steps. Five steps. What play am I supposed to take? <laughs> How many steps is the drop back? I'm just going to get sacked. Screw it. <laughs> oh, it's right towards our goal. And your volume up. Damn it. There might even be a problem. Yeah, there has to be a problem with the phones. Um, there's a problem with the producer in there as well. Not staying in touch with us. There's this. There's you go. There he goes. Let's see if you can sort it out. That is one lumpy-headed motherfucker in the other room, though. Seems there's a problem on that side that the headset's broken. No one, you can't hear anyone calling in. All right, so we're going to... I know I got somebody on the hotline, so that should not be a bad person. No. Hi, you're on the Ron Fez Show. Ronnie B, it's Jerry Barca. Happy football. Uh, I was wrong. I was fucking Great. wrong. Great. <laughs> Jerry Barca, do you know that Fez stole your year without football idea? I, I heard about that. Yeah. I heard about that. And I, I you know, I think it's going to go the way. I know, I oh, you're gone completely now. Did you touch something? No. Hicks. I didn't touch anything to do with the phones, no. Because Barca just disappeared on me completely. Either that or someone murdered Jerry Barca. Oh, Jerry's dead? Sad. Call back, Jerry. Call back, Barks. Barkman. That's what I like to call him. Jerry Barkman Barca. Why don't you just call him Dog? Right, let's go back to the hotline and see if we got him. Barks. Hey, yes. Dog. Ronnie B. What's up? What's up? Football. Football's up. Still up. 
Are you uh, are you gay for football this year? Yes, very much so. If football was a woman, would you go down on it? Yeah, absolutely. I don't like the way you refer to women as it. Uh, oh, sorry, that was wrong. Okay. You, have you checked out uh, Gino's sexy NFL picks? Oh, yes, I have. I have, and I, I'm. You sh- people should look at it. I'm so uncomfortable with him referring to himself as daddy. He's daddy. <laughs> but third person, da- first off, he is daddy. Third person, daddy. Yes. A few times, very creepy. It's me, daddy. That's what he says. Isn't that what you make your wife uh, call you when you two are <laughs> pumping out babies one after another? Yeah, like every other week we do the daddy thing, you know. But uh, I wouldn't do it on YouTube. I wouldn't do it on YouTube like Gino. I mean, I like his. I like the pics. I do get creeped out by the by the third person reference. Anyway. And then that it's daddy, this fatherly thing. It's just, ee. Hey, I got to tell you something. Ronnie B agrees with you. Okay? <sighs> Looks like daddy needs another mouth to feed. That's what, that's what the barkman says. You said mouth oh. to feed. Oh, no. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else did he pick? All right. So he, took, he said, take Seattle tonight, minus six. Take the Eagles. It's Eagles, Jags. Take the Eagles at minus ten. I wish it was minus 100, and I'd still take them. You know why? Because I saw that beautiful production that this city that has won so many Super Bowls, the city of champions, <laughs> has put together, it's... along with a voiceover by the fucking raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy, to let us know, this is our house, this is our city. It's more than a city. It's more it's, than a game. It's more than a city. It's more than a game. It's depressing. The <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. Hashtag fly, Eagles, fly. I used to think that the Washington Redskins fans live the most on a pink cloud. Yeah. This is making me feel like the city of Philadelphia is there maybe even higher. It's all Chip Kelly's fault. Uh, oh, by the way, Barker, did you see this the other day? Washington uh, Redskins' name will never be said again by the New York Daily News. Well, I, I can't, I cannot get into this one at all. I find it so bizarre that this is an issue now. Uh, I, and, and look, there's a lot of people in the media that that go on, you know, are on the side of the the Daily News or with that thinking. I just. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think there's a lot of other issues we could really be getting to. All right, can I quote you by saying this? Daily News, more like Daily Jews. Oh, Jeff. Ooh. Mm, daily Snooze, maybe. Stop with that. But not what you said. Um, You're not working for the Post. I'm only going to call them the Washington Washingtons. The Washington Washingtons, not the Washington Football Organization. <sighs> That's what we would probably call it if we were in England. No thanks. Greg Gumble. Greg Gumble's got that inside the NFL. What's he do? That he's doing the Washington Football Organization. Is he saying it with like a, like disgust in his voice, <laughs> just a sneer? Mm, a little bit, but then right across the set from him, Boomer Esiason calls him the Redskins. Anyway, the Seattle's lose tonight. No, I don't think so. The Packers have a rookie center. Starting in this game, I mean, that's one of the beyond the fact that Seattle's defense is stacked. You're going to start a rookie center, yeah. Uh, you know, against that defense in that loud house. Uh, I, I don't think so. And I like the Packers. I like the Fom. I, I, I like Aaron Rodgers. Eddie Lacy can run the ball, but not tonight. And I, I think the six or six and a half. Uh, I think the I think Seattle covers it. Um, who are the Washington? 
football organization plan this week. Although I would like to start and call them the Washington Hashtags, so we keep it really 2014. Texans. They're at Texans. They're at well, Houston. I won't say that name. Texans? Yeah. Why not? It's just what because they are. Because they're the Oilers. I don't give a shit what anyone says. That's the Houston Oilers. What's Tex- happening over there, young man? We're rebooting them. Should be up momentarily. What? Why was it such a struggle? It's it's a technology issue. We can't okay. work on anything. So you think that you can just say technology <laughs> and I'll fold. Are you from our IT department? I want to live forever. Love it. All right, did you look over our uh, Highlander game? I did. All right, first, before you do it, let's play our brand new Highlander stuff that we want to burn out because we're so excited by it. Fez Highlander. There can be only one comedian football challenge. One comedian will live forever in infamy, never to be forgotten. There can be only one. That's exciting. Now. You know, I don't ever think football and comedy go together well, despite what the pregame shows would try to tell you. You know what I mean? Oh, they love it. But there's some real knowledgeable guys in this. Uh, Barks, who do you pick right off the bat? Listen, I'm going Dark Horse. I know there's some popular picks. I like your mention of Tammy Pescatelli. Her dad was a football coach. I think she's definitely somebody to keep an eye on here. Where was Tammy's dad a coach at? I don't know, but I remember she said it. Okay, so you need to do a little research, don't you? Well, why you got to call me out? I thought I was good enough just with that one. I thought I was going to slide in there with that, but now... I don't know whether... Barker's new book is called this. Stuff I think happened or probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not what we're looking for. I didn't bother fact-checking yeah. the Barkman story. Yeah. All right. I get you guys are setting the bar high for me on the journalistic He integrity. actually said this in his, in, his, in his book, that the Super Bowl was held in Hanoi. Come on. Then he just put some parentheses. At least that's what it felt like. Yeah. That was the copy editor was supposed to catch All right. That. So you don't want Tammy, right? I think she's someone to keep an eye on. I think Gino, obviously, is someone to keep an eye on. He made you eat toenails. Well, gargle, but yes. That is true. That is true. Okay. Um, but here's my here's my outside. If he can keep the focus for the season, my man Dan Soder, taking it home. Don't mess with him. Dan Soder's taking it. You heard it here. He's going to lose with the 49ers because he's too much of a homer. You cannot be a homer. And I know because I've gambled this way many fucking times. Oh, no, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. You have to be No, objective. the worst thing you could do is watch a game and not have any money on it. That's when you just feel like a person. All right, Dan Soder for you. That's right. People love the uh, Dan Soder. I don't know when he became Jerry's man, but people do love the Dan Soder. Oh, we're really tight. We are. Why won't anybody pick Big J? That hurts my feelings. All right, Barks. Happy season. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, here's, here's Greg in Boston. You're on the Run Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, be a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. Thanks, pal. Uh, Patriots, 2003, 2004, last team to go back to back. Isn't that crazy? 
It's a and they almost went four years in a row because it was 2001. They uh, were their first of the, that three streak. streak. Well, it was a very, very exciting time, and the Patriots were were good. Somehow they, you know, they blew what could have been the greatest season of all time. That's right. You know, I guess the only thing better than seeing that was seeing them lose the greatest <laughs> season of all time. That was amazing. Um, but I can't imagine what it was like to be a Patriots fan to see that happen. But oh, Tom, Ronnie, I could tell you all about it, but I'm sure you wouldn't want to bore your listeners. But I forgot that I was calling in a New York-based program. Oh, trust me when I tell you, I have no love for the Giants. Big Blue. Oh, really? Big yeah, Blue. no love for them. Uh, all right, Greg. You got it, guys. Peace. Take it easy. Thanks. But they were the last dominating team during that short period, and we haven't had one since. We have... I mean, it's going... I'm, I'm saying this. If Seattle wins it again this year. I think two will make you the team of the decade. In this decade. I don't see anyone winning three. No, the dom- there's no one dominant. And I've read something on ESPN last season that went as far as saying that this, the 49ers are the dominant team of this decade. When they, That's it, like saying the fucking Bills were the dominant team of the 90s. They have the best record, but who gives a shit? Yeah. you got to win the most Super Bowls. you got to 49ers this shit. You've got to be the old steel curtain. You've got to be the team of the decade so far. And this is going to be the 2015 Super Bowl. We do not have a, a team of the decade. No, Seattle has the best shot, and I'd say... Packers after that? I mean, for me, you've got to win three to sincerely be considered the team of the decade. This could be the decade that no team dominated. The first in history. And to me, that would be sad. It'd be the parody decade. Parody, it worked. We finally figured it out. No one could get excited ever again. Well, they just shoot themselves in the foot like the Ravens. They just give Flacco some giant contract and say goodbye to every. Else. Well, like, that's because of the sh- because that's the shitty fucking league. Stupid. You should be able to reward, you know, JJ Watts without going. Okay, now we're not going to have anyone else. <laughs> we can like people want immediately. Is JJ Watts the most overpaid? Guy? He doesn't make near as much as a fucking uh, a baseball player uh, or a basketball player. It's ridiculous. Even uh, or a hockey player or a soccer. Pl- oh, no, they they're pretty evenly paid. Uh, you take a look at the Premier League, With MLS. Yeah, well, fucking grow up, young man. You're looking, you're comparing that to a minor league. Premier League guys make more money than our guys, and this is supposed to be spy report. This spy report. Be, excuse me. Uh, spy report. And I have to take this. Oh God! Holy shit! Just signing up today, and this changes everything. Greer Barnes. Whoa! Damn! Wow! Greer Barnes. Let me tell you something about Greer Barnes. I can't follow him. Greatest line in the history of Louis C.K.'s show. Louis. He's part. He's now part of this Highlander crew. We got. I don't. We've never had Greer Barnes on the show, right? No, we haven't. That's a giant mistake for us. We must get him in, and I know he's got a new album coming out. Um, Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Hey, Pop. Are your Giants going to win a Monday against my Lions? 
No, the Giants no. aren't going to win. I mean, just look at preseason. The Giants may not beat anyone this year. That's totally doable because Eli Manning does not know how to run this offense. He just doesn't know how. Why can't you just love him for the two goddamn Super Bowls that he won you? I do love him for that. I don't say it. But I, I'm going to criticize him for not knowing the offense. I'm starting to hate our new all-football format. <laughs> no, 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 no. Does the preseason matter to you, or does it not? Because now you're saying the preseason, but when we're talking about like Michael Sam and all his sacks, you're like, no, it doesn't matter. It's but no, wait, wait a minute. Is that little Fez over there? Is that little Fez? <laughs> no, I have a Dave in bare Delaware. upper lip. Dave in Delaware. Hey, guys. Uh, two things real quick. Uh, I know I'm not in on your comedy thing, but uh, the guy I think that might shock you could be that guy Gomez. Because he's got to make up for doing that uh, thing. What the heck was that thing he did in the dark? The comedy in the dark? Yeah. He might have some vengeance there and want to make up for that. No. Luis J. Gomez is an excitable boy. Yes, he is. He is a wrestling fan. He asked me for advice on what to fucking pick. The first game. (laughs) First game, yeah. It's week one. All right. So, Dave, I know you're down there in Delaware, right? Yeah, I'm up in Delaware. I'm a recovering Philadelphian. I wanted to just comment real quick on the Philly thing. You know... We're diehard fans, but it's every team is the same. It's the train that could if they tried, and they never do. I'm going to make I mean, you feel good about yourself. Fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. Fly, Eagles, fly. Uh, by the way, I always find that song to be embarrassing. I hate that song. I hate it. I hate the mummers, so, I mean. Right, you, you just crossed the line there, my friend. I know, I'm sorry, You just Ronnie crossed Dave. the line. I crossed the line. Remember, there's still people screaming hat trick 76. They're waiting for that. <laughs> Came close. Came so fucking but, close. Yeah, when I'm 60. Later, dude. Peace. <laughs> Peace. Uh, we've actually got so much happening today. Uh, the Hall's season finale, which I thought we watched uh, last week. Uh, the Hall's season finale is coming up. I don't have uh, the regular plug thing in front of me. I know we've got Unmasked happening. Uh, Where does it show up on here? One? One, yeah. It's the Ron and Fez Plug Report. Today's top plugs and headlines. Unmasked with Ron Bennington and special guest Simon Pegg will happen Tuesday, September 9th at 2.30 in New York City. And you could be in the audience. Just go to theinterrobang.com for more information. And later on, the first openly gay golden retriever who's setting the basketball world on fire. This has been the Ron and Fez Plug Report. Ah, I don't know. Look who it is, Hard Rock Johnny. Johnny. Hello, boys. Looks like you're back to five days a week, huh? <laughs> Summer's over. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna throw in, I'm gonna throw my support behind one Mr. Jay Moore to win your pool. How could he not? You know what I mean? The guy has a national sports broadcast. Yeah, I mean, you got you know. I look at your lineup, and you know, Florentine. I think he just he hates so much stuff. I bet you he secretly hates suicide pools because he hates fantasy. He hates you know he hates everything. So I bet he's just doing it for some extra plugs. Jay Okerson just looks too much like Pepper to me in this picture to even pick. What's wrong with that? It's actually, they're both very handsome men. Thank you. Just said it. Mike Pacelli's too busy working out to look at his his picks. What is this, a roast with you, Johnny? (laughs) Is that where you went? It's everyone. It came on. 
Jay Moore, that's it. That's what I'm putting yeah, my... I could, not, I could never fight the Jay Moore pick. No. Uh, Robert Kelly, to me, um, you know, he's a dark horse. I'm not sure. Shubes, I worry that he's too much of, uh, you know, Eagles Homer. Susie Essman could shock the world. I don't know about the, you know, the the Dave Smith, Pete Davidson, Dan Perlman, young guy thing. I always feel like young guys don't pay enough attention. Jamie LaSalle is going to be all fucking Buffalo Bills. You or think Master. Lampanelli's just going to be too nice to pick against anybody now with her new her newfound enlightenment? I, I don't know, man, because she can turn mean in a heartbeat. <laughs> she <laughs> really can. Pete Davidson is a dark horse. I don't understand. Tommy John Johnigan has anger issues. Hannibal Barris and uh, recently signed up Greer Barnes don't know where their sports star is. Uh, Bert Kreischer, you know, I want him to win, but drinking can be can cloud the judgment. I'll take the Raiders this week. Oh, no. Because they're fucking badass. <laughs> it's a black hole. And Tommy Rhodes, and this breaks my heart to say it, lives in Amsterdam. <laughs> Although, who's your new favorite uh, football player? Mine, Blake Bortles. Hometown of uh, Tommy Rhodes, I believe. I think Vito is where they're both from. Vito, Florida. Kind of a central Florida we got to get out of this place kind of thing, you know? All right. They both got out. Well, yeah, they both got out. One went, one got as far as Jacksonville. <laughs> he played fucking football at UCF. Then he went to Jacksonville. But the guy, I, I got to give it to Shelby on this. The guy's a stud. Where did he get, he was a top five pick, right? Yeah, top ten, I think. I, I was. Well, top five would be a top ten. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we're on different sides here, Shelby. You little fucking prick. Shelby's all whacked out today. I know, and he's got one fucking shoulder up a lot higher than the other. It's making me nervous. <laughs> he was picked third. Oh, so, Shelby, you want to so, say something to me? You cock. Top five is top ten. You were right on that. Why can't you just say yes, I agree? Top three. He was a top three pick, Ron. I remember today, fucking... Hicks started to say something was 25 minutes, some thing that we've got for the weekend. And Shelby's going, isn't it 22? You know, just trying to fucking make oh, you look like a dick in <laughs> yeah. front of me. And then you go, with production, it's 25. And I looked over, there was no apology or whatever. I don't expect it from the dead man. I'm not trying to, like, it's every time I try to just make sure of something, because we've always talked about, hey, just double check, make sure. It's like, yes. what the fuck, you're running him down. <laughs> when you do run him down, make sure you're correct. And then attack that, at will. Take Take your fucking shots better. There was no shot. <laughs> it was a shot. I knew it was, Ron. That was a shot to me. Thanks, Johnny. All right, some of these people, when I read, uh, where the fuck is Cat Williams? Why do they always want to say who isn't playing and then be pissed? This is Jeffrey a- Ross, Ron White, George Lopez. There is something about the listeners that is just, to the core, awful. Go get those people. They can play. I I want my favorite comedian to play. I want Ron White to be in the league. <laughs> Otherwise, I hate everyone. Where's Ron White? 
That's what they all sound like. One of your uh, shitty shows that Fez destroyed. They're not shitty. Um, well, I'm just going by what I heard. Well, he's that he destroyed and cockblocked. I thought that was during a blackout. Are you guys up for football this year? Yeah, we're up for football. Yeah. Who's everybody picking in your teams? You don't even know. Thank you. Appreciate it. No, I, it's good to know. Seriously, no. That fucking sigh of we didn't know it was football season is everything that's wrong. I know, are, you I did gonna do a, are you going to do a shitties and jizzy show? No, I, we didn't discuss who's taking it all away. But don't step on the laugh I'm getting from this fucking creeper. He's here. an asshole. He doesn't deserve the laugh. I know, but that's all I got right now. We thought we prepared for everything. <laughs> all right, post show meeting. Did anyone fucking know it was football season? Yes. I mean, we're wearing jerseys. Why didn't we know? They're Welker we spent, jerseys. <laughs> spent too much time on high lie. Oh, Jesus. Hey, look. You, you fucking fuck, got you. I'll fucking gamble all day on high lie. All right? Get off my ass. How's that a good thing? That's <laughs> not, actually. I just said a bad thing. David in Tennessee. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah, we're doing the last comic standing eliminator this year. So we're going to play along. I got about nine of my buddies doing it. Good. I got Tammy right out the gate. So as long as she picks the winner... Then I get to go through. I love it, dude. And, I hope it works out for you. It should be. Oh man! It should be fucking kick ass. Chuck in Boston, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I think I know what to name the Washington Redskins if they change their name. Change it to the Washington Politicians if they because if they cave under peer pressure, who's going to want to root for them anyway? And all politicians suck. Isn't there some kind of shitty political show you could be calling with these hack jokes, and everybody would be? <laughs> You know, taking on the fat cats down in Washington. Got them. I mean, come on. I mean, we're not working. They only have jobs because of us. We ought to vote them out. Am I right? We're really the ones in charge. Yeah. We pay your salary. We pay your salary. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't know about you, Johnny. That's poultry to me. I'll say, don't even start <laughs> on that. You're always a fucking troublemaker. I am not. Chicken salad. <laughs> very, very exciting times. Hey, did you get back to that um, fireman yesterday? I have his information. I emailed him, yeah. Um, Rich, the fireman. David just quoted my, uh, wait a minute, don't step on the laugh the creep has given me. <laughs> uh, here's another Ronnie B quote already. Is that little fez over there about Shelby? Say, <laughs> I like that. That makes me feel better, you know? The people are out there catching the lines at Ronnie B quotes. Because you are not catching them, Hicks. You're like, wait, let me do my thing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hurts sometimes. No. I'm going to tell you the truth, it hurts. So why are we... Uh, why after the halls has ended, which I thought was the perfect ending, is there another one? It's kind of like this last season of Louie where he said, like, oh, we got picked up for 13, but, you know, and we shot 14. What the hell? Uh, Gina Bascante says thanks for running his things, and now they may actually let him back in the studio this week. We're packed. David wants to know how Jay Moore's not everybody's uh, favorite to win. Where's Shucky Ducky? Hmm. You know, I looked this over. Mark Howard wants to know why George Burns and Jack Benny aren't playing. You got a problem with them? <laughs> That's fucking true. 
Uh, Spider wanted to pick uh, Big J Okerson, but I reminded him that he'd only pick the Eagles. Tonight, it's got to be all Seahawks, right? Dominating. That's sad, because Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic quarterback. But it, how is he? Would, yeah. He had oh. some injuries last season. Oh, God. Is this what your show sounds like when you just say little fucking facts like that? <laughs> no. Lou, you're on the run of show. I'm just throwing show. it out there. I know, and it's dull. Touchdowns. Lou. <laughs> hey, Ronnie B, a million bucks. You're going to see some touchdowns out there tonight, and then they may go for an extra point. Possibly an interception. Lou, what can we do for you? Not much. I just wanted to throw my prediction in. This is the year of the underdog in the NFL. Uh-huh. I see, and because of that, I see Mike Bichetti taking this whole thing. He's taking the underdog, and the Titans are winning the Super Bowl over the Eagles. And uh... you just stopped. Uh, every time that we play Mike Bichetti, we ought to play the underdog theme as his theme. <laughs> that would be exciting. Um, Frank, you're on the Run and Fed show. Hey, Ron, you're an Eagles fan, right? Why you got to hurt my feelings? Well, no, I am, too. I was just wondering what you think of Nick Foles, fantasy-wise, and um, is it true about Shelby? Well, first of all, I would never have a fantasy about Nick Foles. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I mean, here's the problem with Foles. That season he had last year, he ain't going to have one like that this year. It's like impossible. 17 to one, 17 touchdowns to one interception. No. You're fat king. You ever notice how you got a fucking fat king? Here? I throw him out there. I pay yeah. attention. They asked McNabb about Foles, and he did the thing where he says, Nay, I'm not going to comment on that. And then went ahead and made the longest comment ever and said, No, he can't lead them to the Super Bowl. He can just, you know, put up 27 touchdowns, maybe, and just have a decent season. Only one fucking team is going to win the Super Bowl, and there's a lot of flashier fucking quarterbacks than Foles. I mean, there's no reason we should be talking about him, you know? But a lot of just regular guys have won the fucking Super Bowl by not making any mistakes. Look at your fucking hero, Eli Manning. That's right. He's not the stat king. He's got two fucking rings. That's right. Throws that up. Don't forget the MVPs. <laughs> Johnny, if Eli ever walked into your fucking hard rock, would he eat and drink for free? Absolutely. And any of Earl's family, too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's when you're not the there. <laughs> Earl's putting out um, another, I guess, Google Images book. It's called, Google, it? it's called Google Image Search. <laughs> Statues of New York. Fire plugs I've seen. God, fuck. Oh, there's a bull downtown, huh? You know what? How about do this, Earl? Put a fucking chick in one of your pictures. That's so fucking He hard. likes landscapes. By the way, I saw a blonde yesterday that was so fucking tall that her... Ass was up to most men's faces. Oh my god! Then I found out she was the famous gold uh, gold medal winning uh, volleyball beach volleyball team. Remember those two girls? Oh yeah, yeah. The big blonde was right out front yesterday. Were they sexy freak legs or were they just freak legs? They were incredibly tall. I mean, anyone can find it as sexy as they wanted to. There's plenty of guys who have been like, "Yes, I want to spend the rest of my life here." Yeah, with a vagina. With but how tall vagina. is she? Look it up. Go back to the Wikipedia, you fucking slacker. 6'2". But her legs are the legs of someone that is like fucking 6'10". You know what I mean? Like, the legs went right into the armpit. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it was amazing. Plus, you don't even run into a lot of women that are 6'2". No, it's a sight. 
It's like, oh my god, what's up with her? Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, those are ridiculous legs. She doesn't even need a torso. No, David, it doesn't count the people at work think you're funny. I don't know what kind of dull job you have. Lou from Jersey says, Bichetti takes it all this year. Didn't the Lions go 4-0 during the preseason and 0-16 in the season? Pepper is a dunce, says Edwin Escobar. And what am I a dunce about? The, the Giants went 5-0. But if you watched it, Eli Manning threw for like 12 yards combined. Why is anyone paying attention to the fucking preseason? Shelby was right when he said you're fucking an idiot. Shelby's a I almost used the R word. I'm trying not to now. That's my new thing. Redskin? <laughs> hey. You're a ball buster. You really are. Who wants to live forever? Play that again, because I love it. Fez Highlander. There can be only one comedian football challenge. One comedian will live forever in infamy, never to be forgotten. There can be only one. Um, Stephen Knight says, Fez only gives Ron uh, laughs while forced ones during the unmasked tapings. During the show, he gives nothing. <laughs> there is some fucking truth to that. He's all but Ed McMahon doing those things. <laughs> but he never gives the laughs to me. He always gives them to the guests. <laughs> so I don't mind as much. But uh, people tell me all the time, could you just tell Fez to stop with the deep uh, chested laughs? <laughs> hi he enjoy he enjoys it. Hi, oh! <laughs> he yelled out "Hey now!" during the last one. Hey now! That was the greatest fucking character of all time. The greatest Jeffrey Tambor. Could never say enough nice things about him. But my favorite ever was Fez doing the warm up before Florentine, where he turned it to an homage to BL. It's bizarre. Yeah, There's a nine-fingered lady from Florida here tonight. Let's get a chant going for her, shall we? And I talked to BL, and she was like, and I'm not even fucking making this up. She went back and listened to the Florentino Mass, and she goes, how come you guys cut out my part? I go, there was no your part. <laughs> it's a fucking warm-up. It's not about BL. It's about Jim Florentine and Ron. Well, why didn't, well first of all, it's not about me. It's about Jim Florentine. I'm just a facilitator, that's all. But uh, the thing is, obviously she expected it. Crazy. No, no, no. Don't, I'm not putting that in she there. She called and got put on hold yesterday. I know, I know we got stuff to do, but I, I, I want to check in with her. But before we do this, let's go to um, the wrap-up of... What is considered one of the finest short TV shows ever, The Halls, the story of our interns. Now, play me the next to last one, because I felt like that was the last one. Well, the journey to Sirius XM as an intern is over. I've been out in the real world, 
learning the radio business, honing my craft. Oh, I'm falling in love. Oh, oh. Now, here's the thing. They look like Fred and <laughs> Wilma. He's a giant dude. He's giant. She's a tiny waisted little thing. We should have just did if Fred and Wilma worked at Sirius XM. <laughs> Modern day Fred and Wilma. So how is that not the end of it, Shelby? Oh, how is that not the end of it? Oh, well, there's things after years down the road. I mean, people probably want to know, do these people stay together? What happens? All right, so we catch up with them as the years go by. How many years is this after? Five years into the future. Oh, this is exciting. That's how I met your mother. She divorced me five years later. Thanks a lot, Norris. You took everything. All right, so he looks like shit as the years <laughs> go by. And he's drinking the tiniest bottle ever. Tiny little bo- liquor bottles. Can't afford the big ones. She took everything. He has to steal them from hotel rooms. Why is he back in Sirius XM? Did he get a show? Was that it? Just did living he, there. Yeah. Did he become a producer? What happened to him? He's doing his second semester internship. Things, you know, went bad. Had to go back to school. All right, let me watch it one more time. Let me see future. That's how I met your mother. She divorced me five years later. Thanks a lot, Norris. You took everything. (laughs) Tough times, man. They always say that the worst actors talk directly into the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to live forever? Love Queen. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, their movie work, especially. Highlander, Flash Gordon. Some great stuff. Flash! Oh! Master of the Universe! Flash! Oh! He'll save every one of us! (laughs) (laughs) He will, too. What's the fucking hurry, Freddy? Take your time. Really just crammed it in there. He probably didn't know how much they were going to give him. I, I love Flash Gordon, by the way, where a Jets quarterback gets sent to a different uh, dimension as Earth's exploding. Well, don't ruin it for the young people out there who haven't seen it. That's like the first 10 minutes. I did. He just put up a picture. Look how long those legs are. God damn. They're crazy long, right? Flash. Ah! You're a fucking good singer, Hicks. Thank you very much. I mean, everyone runs you down for being a fuck up. Yeah, I know. It's really shitty, actually. song it made it exciting uh today is the last day uh for summer atitas that's crazy it's been a long it's been it's been a whole summer it's 
it's been a whole summer of hearing about people's hopes and dreams, and it's really been exciting and cool and fun. I want to thank uh, Beth at Tito's for, you know, uh, reaching out to us like this. It was really a lot of fun. But I really think, I mean, obviously, when I look around this room, I don't see people living like Tito. I Unless you're talking about Tito Jackson trying to just fucking get on a on a train and hold on tight. I aspire to live like Tito. Do you really? Yeah, Tito. I love I love Tito Beverage. But I would like to see you love Chris Stanley. That's a whole nother story. But it's been a great summer. Some people are really hurt by the end of the halls, just how depressing it was. That's life. <laughs> it's reality. I guess you can't say anything wrong about that. That really did come back to us as reality. It's a dose of realism at the end. Fucking there. hurt. Young love just turns to shit. Except in real life, you're gay, right? Not very, <laughs> very straight. Very straight. I'm guessing they. Divorced. A lot of people bitching about our audio quality. I I'm gonna fucking assign two people to get this fucking thing straightened out. Because it's driving me nuts. Charlie, you're on the Run of Fez show. Honey B, you know, when Michael Sam got picked up by the Cowboys, I was so happy. I thought for Ron and Fez it was just going to be, you know, Ronnie, now that I'm the biggest Cowboys fan, I think the Eagles suck, and we're just going to fucking get... Like, I thought he was going to shit talk you every day. I'm just so fucking disappointed. Well, I'm sorry to let you down, Charlie, because that definitely would have been a fun angle, just seeing him as up uh, Cowboys guy. But instead, he gave up football completely. I'm not watching any of it until Michael Sam is actually on a team like he deserves. Great statement. Big Fed Watley turned his back on the NFL. He's going to crack. But we remember when he gave up wrestling and never would watch it again. Comic book movies. Was never going to watch Batman again. Remember when he gave up his cat? But then we had to find him out that after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Should give up giving up things. That's good. But That's good. That create some sort of paradox. That was a great fucking turn of a phrase that fucked everybody's head. I <laughs> love it. Um, Adam, you're on the Run and Fez show. Adam. Oh, sorry, Ryan. Hey, yeah. Uh, just saying, I don't sleep on the Vikings this year. I think uh, Bridgewater's going to be in there looking good. You know, the Vikings are up there with the Eagles of never winning a fucking Super Bowl. Never. So much talent. They're another team. I think they've been there like four times. They might even have been a four-in-a-row team back in the late 60s, early 70s. They were the Bills of their days. And now, the recent years, are just a wasteland. Flash. Oh, you saved the universe. You like Flash Gordon, huh? Love, I love Flash Gordon as a kid. And uh, the chick, the princess now, like the Russian, she was like some Russian broad. So I was just obsessed with her as a child. Like, oh my God, she's so hot. She's like really fucking hot. You must have been an adorable fucking kid. <laughs> I was the best, right? Just a pre-addict. Didn't even know what was ahead of me. That's unbelievable. Watching Flash Gordon, listen to Queen. I bet that you had like a fucking licorice whip problem or something though that I was like I wish you would calm down on the licorice whips Jolly Ranchers it was the long Jolly Ranchers had a fucking just I, couldn't stop huh? couldn't stop being cherry Jolly Ranchers and if they're around me today I'll just house them I don't care 
I'll just like, is there a bag of Jolly Ranchers over there? And I'll pick just out the cherry ones, throw the rest out, even if people want them. That's what we should have had for his birthday party. Just a giant bag of jolly, cherry Jolly Ranchers. I'm talking to fucking crate of cherry Jolly Ranchers. It beats too noisy, though, because he doesn't suck, he doesn't chews them, and there's yeah. a shrapnel going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I just got crunch. That's true, he is a dick. You're right, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> You're right to fucking run him down in public. You know what? Shelby's the fucking dick. Cul-de-sac living motherfucker. You live there. You know, I get really annoyed that I made up the cul-de-sac thing and then you and Fez have used it against them. That's real. Like, at least be creative enough on your own. Not like, oh, Ron come up with a good phrase for him. I'll fucking use it and it'll make Ron happy. I'll start something called Pepper Quote. That's right. I've given up. On <laughs> the NFL until Michael Sam gets his place. Here's my statement again. Flush. Oh. not we break here and we're going to come back with our last uh, of the summer of Tito's dreams people had that they actually went after instead of like Chris Stanley just having the dream. And not going for it, we heard from a lot of people who did go for their dreams. Find the Tito in yourself. We'll be right back. It's the Ron Fez Show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits, Channel 99. Buddies, it's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Funny man, Dave St. Germain will be stopping in soon. He's going to be appearing at the South Bend Art Hop in Burlington, Vermont, tomorrow, 8 o'clock. Go to vermontcomedyclub.com for tickets and more information. Um, but today is the last day of the summer of Tito's and Hicks it's we've heard so many amazing stories from listeners there's so many people who listen to this show and are going out and trying to make their own way stepping out of the corporate world starting a business you know kind of figuring out what they like to do and finding out a way to get paid for doing it to me that is the American Dream. Here are some of the people who are living their own summer Tito's. Thank you for joining the Ron and Fez show this summer for Living Like Tito. Uh, you know, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. I'm a fishing boat captain, and uh, man, it's just every day is a blessing being out there. All summer long, you told us how you've been living like Tito. Hey, I had my Tito's moment. I quit my job and leased my own tractor. Thank you, Tito, for that. Also got Tito to follow me on Twitter, which was great. A book about locks and locksmithing fell off the shelf at a library. I was looking for another book. Never even thought I'd ever do anything with locks, and I'm a professional locksmith. How you followed your dreams and didn't let failure defeat you. Think about a third of what I was making going to trucks. Seven years later, I've seen the entire United States, half Canada. Couldn't be happier. I was in a, uh, a dying industry. The hardest part is just quitting your job and taking that leap of faith. Let me tell you, it has changed my life. Tito's Handmade Vodka is America's original craft vodka. Visit them at titosvodka.com. 
Uh, so many folks that we heard from during this, the summer of Tito's, so many stories. And all of this came from an interview I did a couple of years ago with Tito Beveridge, where we were shocked to hear how many people um, listened to that interview and then decided that they were going to make a move uh, with their lives. And it was this amazing thing that we kept hearing back, and then the Tito's people kept hearing back on. Uh, our friend Beth, who we knew even before she started working for Tito, uh, I'll always remember her saying, hey, I'm, I work for uh, this distillery now. Do you guys want some vodka? And Chris was like crazy about it. But as we find, started to find out more about Tito, we're like, what an amazing story. Then to see him go national the way he did with, in something that really started as a one-man operation, a guy with his hobby who worked hard, worked it um, against all the odds, and enjoyed doing it. Um, and that became... Um, Something that was very, very important to a lot of different people because I think is what we're all looking for. So uh, today, we thought for the last of the summer of Tito's, we'd go back and talk to the man himself, Tito Beveridge. It's time to tell us how you're living like Tito on the Ron and Fez Show. About eight years ago, I quit and uh, started my own kind of energy consulting business to leave that corporate world. For me, it was a big jump. I quit my job to start the handkerchief shop. Tito's Handmade Vodka is America's original craft vodka. And then at 32 years old, I had my first amateur MMA fight. And I finished the guy in like two and a half minutes in the first round. I had to walk into my boss's office and tell him I was quitting to start a band with my old friend. Tito's Vodka is probably the best vodka I've ever had. I'm originally from Russia. They call me the Russian. Visit them at titosvodka.com. Tito Beverage, how are you, my friend? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, first of all, congratulations because we see Tito's so many more places than we saw even just a couple years ago. It's uh, it's really cool how it just keeps on kind of keeping on. It's just been spreading everywhere. It's, it's it's really been awesome. And I also want to thank you for this summer and the chance that we had uh, to talk to so many entrepreneurs. Uh, we were just playing some of the stories. But it doesn't really matter sometimes what the idea is or what the product is, but that entrepreneur spirit has to uh, kind of exist in every single person. It's uh, it's a different way of life, you know. The, I think that, uh, I mean, to me, you know, the, the most interesting people I come across are, are entrepreneurs that are willing to just go and put it on the line and, you know, take the hit and keep on rolling and, you know, it's just, it's a, uh, it's a different way to go through life, but it's an exciting way and it's fulfilling and, uh, and you get to meet a lot of people, you know, it's a, I mean, you're, you're definitely not sticking your, your head in the sand. That's for sure. Have you been surprised how many people look to you now? I remember, uh, and I get the opportunity, I talk to, you know, songwriters and film directors and, and, you know, 
just comedians and actors, but there was something about the interview that I did with you that struck so many people, and I think that's because somewhere inside people, they all feel like they have an idea that they could do something with. Well, you know, I think uh, I go around and, and you know, I used to just go and I'd talk about, you know, Tito's handmade vodka and, you know, how, you know, distilled six times and gluten-free and, you know, talk about the vodka. And then after a while, people were like, okay, yeah, enough about the vodka. You know, we want to hear, you know, we want to hear your story. We want to hear, you know, about, about your life. And I was like, well, I mean, I, my life's not all that, you know, I mean, it was just one painful venture after another. And they're like, yeah, that's what we want to hear. And then, you know, and then I'd go and I'd say, all right, you know, give people what they want. And then afterwards, people would come up and and be like, you know, thank you so much for sharing because it, you know, it it gives me hope that you know that you know I've had a failure or two, you know, and I, you know, I'm still here and I'm still ticking and and uh, you know it gives me hope that I can still make my dreams happen. And I'm always just like, look, man, you know, as long as you're pursuing something that you love to do, that you're good at. You know, as long as you're pursuing that, you know, then, I mean, that's the whole thing. It doesn't, you know, there's, it's always just the ride and, you know, it's not the, the destination. I think inside of everybody, you know, I mean, everybody's got something that gets them excited, you know, I mm-hmm. think just the, just unleashing that is, you know, is what people, people relate to. It's just that, that thought of unleashing the, that passion inside of them. Well, I think in our daydreams, there's never a setback and there's never failure. So when we have an idea and we start to pursue it, the initial failures and the initial kicks in the jaws are always so shocking. But I think what's great about your story, and you wrote up that fantastic piece about a way to, you know, fail better, um, that... You you lay it out there that even though all this stuff that you've achieved, it didn't come easy. I don't really, you know, I mean, I, I guess there's some people that just are in the right place at the right time, you know, but even they, you know, they experience it at some point, you know, failure that is. Mm-hmm. You know, to, me, to, to me, it's like, it's just, you know, it's part of the, the learning process, you know, it's, it's nothing that you set out to do. You don't want to do it. You certainly don't ever want to, you know, repeat a lesson. But you know, it's kind of like you know, how are you ever going to learn what you love to do unless you're just out kicking around the world and figure out what you don't like to do and what you do like to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you got to get out there. I mean, I'm sure that there's plenty of people who just hunker down, you know, and and don't ever want to take a chance, but. I mean, it's such a great opportunity to be alive and, you know, and, and celebrate life. And, you know, I just kind of look at it like, you know, for me, there just wasn't really an option. You know, you just got to get out there and participate. You know, and some of it's, some of it's painful. And, you know, what I tried to do in that, in that piece, you know, that I wrote is just kind of say, look, here's some different ways to look at, to, to turn a failure into a plus. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the whole key is, you know, is, is yeah, it, you know, it didn't work out. It was painful. You got a lot of energy of it, you know, 
out of it. Now, what are you going to do with it? You know, do something. You know, turn it. You know, I mean, it's kind of like a guideline on just like doing a U-turn on all of it, setting it back in the right direction so you can keep on rolling. You know, one of the things that I liked that you talked about is while you're doing this, while you're pursuing your dream, you're going to have people say bad things about you, whether they're competitors or ex-employees or whatever it is. You're going to have to take what now some people refer to as bullying, but you're going to have to have people lie about you or just look to run you down at any chance they can. Well, I mean, I think that's, you know, I mean, that's more prevalent now, I think, with the Internet than it was when I was growing up. You know, mm-hmm. when I was growing up, now you go and you start you know, talking shit about somebody, they'll show up at your front door and kick your ass. Right. You know? And, you know, nowadays, they, you know, they hide behind some name on the Internet. You don't, you don't know who's doing what. And you can't confront them. And, you know, they don't want to be confronted. You know, they just want to make, you know... They, they just want to tear people down. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of, you know, it's like your mom always said, you know, there's those that do and there's, you know, there's those that go and sit there and, you know, teach. And then now there's those that just go around and talk shit about other people. Right. And they're usually the ones that are scared to go out there and do something, you know? So, you know, in business, you know, what I've found is that, that when your competitors are out there and they are talking smack about you, that you just sit there and just smile and know that you're taking a hunk out of their skin. Mm-hmm. You know, because they would not be wasting their breath talking about you unless you were putting the hurt on them. You know? And so that ought to just be like a badge of honor that they're out there and they're talking grief about you. You know? Well, I yeah, I, the, you have very little else, to, uh, any other way that you could possibly deal with it. But, you know, also as I was reading your story and talking to people, a lot of the stuff about the red tape and everything that you got to do to get a business started, it always seemed to me like the country would be in better shape if some, you know, woman who happens to, you know, do her own jelly could sell that to the consumers who wanted it pretty easily. You know, it seems like we could help the country a lot if we just made it easier for people to to get involved in their own business. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm kind of one of those guys where it's just like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't waste my time trying to change laws or anything. I just, you know, I just go and try to figure out what they are and how to, you know, wind my way through them. Uh-huh. You know, the, you know, I mean, if you look at people in the country now, and really it's the, you know, it's the second and third and, you know, subsequent generations that are all just like, oh, man, I, you know, this is tough. I can't do it. You know, you take somebody that comes up from, like, El Salvador or Guatemala or something. Right. You know, and tell them that this land is no opportunity. And they're like, are you kidding me? Man, I, you know, I came up here. I got rear-ended in my truck. You know, they gave me $10,000 so I wouldn't sue them for whiplash. I went and I bought my own truck and... And, you know, lawnmower, you know, and I started my own service and, you know, started trimming trees and, you know, and then I bought a four-bedroom house. I rent out three bedrooms and then I go and I, you know, take my, 
you know, take my, all the roommates put in money, and then I go down the street, I trade them five for one for food stamps. You know, we eat tenderloin every day. You know, uh-huh. it's the greatest country in the world, you know. But, I mean, those guys are just completely skirting every system and, <laughs> you know, every safety law and every tax regulation. And, you know, I mean, you know, and they're living the dream, you know. Right. Living the dream. You know, I mean, and you still get people that go and they make jelly and they show up at the, you know, at the farmer's market and, you know, they're selling stuff in the small scale. You know, I mean, on the big scale, it's like, I mean, it is, you know, I think regulations, you know, I mean, a lot of them are for the safety of the employees, you know, and then, right. you know, as we all know, you know, a lot of them are, you know, these big, powerful lobbying companies that are trying to make it where, you know, they've got a monopoly, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's, you know, it's always been the same way. Yeah, don't you think? No, I I love what you're saying. That you're saying skirt it where you can, get around it. And uh, I also like the fact that you're right that a lot of times that we think the American dream is dead, but immigrants will get here and work the way, let's say, maybe our great great grandparents did. You know what I mean? Like immigrants will sometimes come to this country and be so ultra competitive that it stuns the rest of us. Yeah, I mean you. I mean, you, there's a lot of industries where, you know, the guys will start out and maybe they don't follow every single law and maybe they don't ever, you know, get in a, you know, an attorney and, you know, they don't even care until they get, until they get caught or, you know, threatened to shut down. But by then they're probably big enough they can afford an attorney. Uh-huh. You know, they just go out there and just kind of, I mean, I, you know, I mean, you know, I I wouldn't be the one who'd go and tell people to just go ahead and do it. You know, and try to get try to get by and see how far you can get before you get caught. You know, I mean, you know, I've I've gone legit. You know, right? <laughs> You're on the shelves now, but there yeah, is- I'm a, yeah, I've gone legit. <laughs> But I love it, though, because you are, you know, you are correct that the real old kind of thing was to do whatever you had to do to, you know, to get out there, to get to the next step. Um, Tito Beverage, by the way, the eight lessons on how to fail better. I think that this is amazing stuff, Tito, because so many of the people who called uh, this summer, and we've heard from so many people that are really happy that they made the move that they made, where they quit their you know job and, and went into entrepreneurism, but then so many people who are scared or on the you know on the tail end of it. The nine things that you put up here are really, really great in terms of how to only fail at the same thing once, how to keep moving on beyond that. I think that's the, I mean, isn't that the main thing with life is just like, you know, not let it just beat you up to where you're just, you you quit. Mm-hmm. You know, the main thing is just like, you know, you get up, you brush yourself off, you keep on going. It, you know, it doesn't ever always go, you know, the way that you plan it. You know, it's just the main thing is just keep, you know, like I put in there, you just keep making decisions, keep on rolling. Yeah, you know, at times it feels like you're going to die, but you're really not. You know, it just feels like it. Right. You know? Well, it, it's you like know? you try to explain to a kid when their heart gets broke, you know, from their first girlfriend. 
it does feel like the worst thing that could ever happen, and you're never going to get over it, but it's not necessarily true. Well, there's a lot of interesting things, I think, happening right now. You know, one of the things is, like, with all the you know, the stuff on, like, Facebook and, you know, and you know, people have, like, this electronic version of themselves where, you know, they're always surfing in Maui or at the top of the Rocky Mountains or, you know, you know, in New York City, you know, Times Square. I mean, they're always doing something great, you know. And then everybody else is looking at each other's stuff and just going, oh, my God, they got it so good and I've got it so bad. And, you know, and really everybody, you know, everybody's toilet clogs. You know, everybody's got to go take the stuff out of the dryer. Yeah. You know, nobody ever puts that stuff on Facebook. <laughs> I think when people start getting getting real committed to this electronic version of you know, of, of fiction mm-hmm. that, that when something knocks them in the real world, which, you know, if you've been around for, for a while, it, you know, you know how the real world works, you know, I mean, it's tough, you know, it's a hard world and, and, you know, something knocks you in the real world and it's such a, such a big, big uh, disparity between the electronic fictional, you know, Facebook world. And reality that I think, you know, I think a lot of people just get completely freaked out. And it just makes them where they just don't want to try anything because they're, they're scared that they're going to go get beat up online. And, right. you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, and, and there's this huge gap between, you know, failing and your Facebook page. You know, and I kind of just look at it like, hey, man, just, you know, live and, and, the physical world and the physical plane and get out there and, you know, meet people and, you know, talk to people and find out what the needs are and go out there and, you know, make your mistakes and don't beat yourself up about it. Just learn from it and keep on going. That's how you figure out. And that's how you figure out if you're doing a good job or you're not getting a good job. You go out there and you talk to people. Well, you also said one of the things to do when you meet people, tell them your dream, tell them what you're working towards because you don't know if they could be some help to you along the way? Well, you know, my granddad always said that that, uh, that people like to help people that they like. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you go out there and you're, you know, and you're the kind of person that's got, like, you know, love in your heart, and, you know, and I mean, you generally go out and you try to, to you know, help people because, you know, what goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're going out and you're, you know, you're being a, you know, a, as good a person as you know how to be, you know, generally it comes back to you, I believe. And I just kind of look at it like, like, I'm a geologist and geophysicist, so I look at things kind of like the guy on Cosmos looks at it, that everything's made out of stardust and that that it's all energy and matter, and that we're really just these ideas just going through time. And and if you don't tell all the other stardust what your idea is, if you know, then then it's not going to guess. You know, I mean, you know, people think that you know, there's some people that think that that you know what they're thinking. You know, and I never was good at that. I always liked it when people told me what they wanted. You know, their chances of getting what they wanted went up. A whole bunch. First of all, they figured out what they wanted, and then secondly, they went out and told people what they wanted, right? And then mm-hmm. people would go help them achieve that because that's 
generally, you know, I don't care what you see on TV about vampires and stuff. You know, generally people, you know, in this country are really great people. They like helping other people, and you know, they like it when people help them. And you know, when we live in a great country. You know, even though we somehow, you know, think that we don't. You know, it's the. I mean that. And as jacked up as this country is, all you got to do is go live in another country to realize how good this country is. Sure. You know, it's a fantastic country, as jacked up as it is. You know, it's still the best. Well, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see a lot of people saying, uh, I'm leaving. You know what I mean? They like to go out, cruise around, and take a look at the world. But I don't see a lot of people just trying to drop off their passport and said, I'm done. Uh, yeah. I gotta tell you this, Tito, you've given us to such an extraordinary summer of hearing other people's stories. So many different people out there that are living their own entrepreneurial dream that a lot of this stuff doesn't make the media. A lot of it doesn't get talked about until you're really, really successful. But it's really the small business people, I think, that are on the true journey. Yeah, I'm, I put in that, you know, in that little piece that I, that I wrote up, I, I put in there to go Google successful failures. And if you Google it, you come up with like, you know, Henry Ford and Winston Churchill and, you know, Bill Gates and, I mean, all these people that, you know, that you think of as like, you know, I mean, that, that, that people think of as, Uber successful people, and all of them have had have had you know strings of failures. Maybe not Bill Gates, but <laughs> the other guys have. You know, sure. I mean, Henry Ford like failed like seven, eight times. You know, and you know, and really, just life is just a series of experiments. It's always changing. You know, and you just got to go and keep doing these experiments and just see, you know, does it work? Does it not work? You know, this whole program that you guys did this summer just has absolutely floored me. It, you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing it because I will be out in a liquor store doing a tasting, you know, somewhere in the United States, and people come up to me and go, I heard you on the Ron and Fez show, and let me tell you what, it pushed me over the edge, and I took the leap. I'm not exactly right where I want to be, right. but I am... 85% there, and I just wanted to come down and say thank you. And you don't know how good that makes me feel. I mean, it's really, I've had a lot of mentors that have helped me, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, given me great advice and, and, you know, and I've, you know, I'm one of these guys that, that, you know, that's like the first people I give credit to are all the people on my, on my team, mm -hmm. you know, that for my, you know, my success, nothing happens in a, in a vacuum. And, you know, and I kind of feel like it, you know, like it helps me pay back, you know, in a roundabout way to all those people that paid me to go and help somebody else go and, you know, and reach their goals and, and find their vision and, you know, do the list. You know, what, what do you love to do on one side and what are you good at on the other and come up with your, you know, with your dream job that, and, you know, and get out there and get excited about life, you know? I mean, I think that's what it's about. 
I I think you're 100% correct, and I certainly had no idea that the first time you and I talked that so many people would be so moved by it. I, I think there's something that you have a down-to-earth way that for some reason the average person can hear and suddenly clicks and makes some, you know, it makes some sense to. So I, I thank you for all the people that I've got to talk to about their dreams too this summer. It's been amazing. Well, I appreciate appreciate you uh, you you know having me on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to tell everybody out there, you know, that is looking to be an entrepreneur or is an entrepreneur, you know, man, just go for it. Just keep on going. It's a grind. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times, you know, I mean, a lot of times, man, you got to just suck eggs for like seven years, and then I don't, you know. It's kind of like that book, Outliers. After you do it for you know seven years, it just all of a sudden everything seems to to uh, to go into place. So if you're a few years into it, just keep the faith, keep on going. It gets easier, and then all of a sudden you're just like going, "Wow, it seems like another life." That you know, back when you're just struggling all the time, all of a sudden everything starts going your way, and life is good. So keep with it, Tito. Thank you so much, my friend. I'll talk All to you right. soon. Hey, thank you. Okay. I right. look forward to seeing you again. Me too. Take care. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. This summer of living like Tito's was brought to you by Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled six times from 100% corn and is naturally gluten-free. And make sure you go to titosvodka.com for recipe songs and more. Handcrafted to be savored responsibly. Distilled and bottled by Fifth Generation Incorporated, Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits Channel 99 Dancing train is coming in the room. You don't have your own theme song yet. I know. I want. Uh, I want that Goo Goo Dolls City Angels song oh, soundtrack. Make it really emotional. <laughs> that when they go breaking the ISIS, forget about it. <laughs> you know, my favorite part of that thing is uh, that people just stand like birds. I could watch that forever. You know, oh, with the, the, with the ISIS that, videos? Yeah, with the movies that they did that um, that those songs come from where they're just standing around like birds. Yeah. Angels are like birds. They have wings. They probably act like fucking birds. They are. Very romantic movies. Yeah. You like, uh, you like the romance, huh? I used to. <laughs> I think. And, I don't know. They don't like... Uh, they really need to make like a romantic comedy about two people settling. <laughs> I think that that would like be much more realistic. Yeah, we're like maybe we could do better, but it's I don't too know. hard to keep looking. And this is easy enough. <laughs> and now we have this apartment's a little bigger than I'd be able to get on my own. Yeah, but, you don't see Peter Gabriel singing back one of those yeah. movies. Like if we get married, we'll be able to have enough. You know, we'll get money and then we'll get furniture. That's what it's really about. <laughs> if we get married, I'm sure there's going to be leftover for a couch. Um, you just sold something, though. So Jeffrey yeah, Durian we're going to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're still working on the idea, you yeah. know. But uh, yeah, I'm doing a new script deal with Fox. So is hopefully. it TV? Yeah. So hopefully, that's hard. To it's keep hard that going. It's hard to get going, but uh, yeah. you know, I'm working with good people over there. So hopefully, 
I'll be the next uh, D.L. Hughley. I have no uh, idea. Yeah, the, you went for D.L. Hughley because you know if he's had some success. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, he's done well enough. I'll take whatever. Yeah. I could be uh, the next possible, I don't know, somebody who's doing well yeah. right now. Uh, but your dad was a writer, right? Your dad? He was, yeah. He wrote for Cosby for years, and then he wrote for Suzanne Plachette before that, actually. And then he wrote movies, you know. How old were you when you thought, well, this isn't normal for a dad to do? You know, this is um, a odd. I don't know. I kind of was always there. I was like, I guess in the beginning when I was really little, I was embarrassed that my dad didn't have a normal job. Uh-huh. I always thought it was kind of like... You're like, yeah, my dad just worked for an insurance company or something. And then you get older and you're like, oh, he won. Yes. I don't know why I thought. He never had to stay in a, he was never in a cubicle his whole life. You know? But did you think, all right, here's the show on TV. There's Bill Cosby. I've never watched Cosby until I was older. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I was watching cartoons and stuff. So at that point, you didn't even know who Bill Cosby was. I saw, I would see like a b- bits of the show, but I, when I was a kid, I just, you know, that wasn't, I wanted like dinosaurs fighting. We I will would, never have another show as popular as Cosby. That show yeah, was watched by huge. everybody. I just don't think the market is, it's not a, you know, like it since like the end of Seinfeld, like right around that, that kind of yeah. coordinated with the like kind of boom of cable comedy and right. TV. So now, like, you know, what you're gonna, you're never gonna like the shows that are successful. Their comedies on network are very broad, and then everybody who used to kind of watch Seinfeld went to cable. I feel like, yeah. So there's not gonna be like, there's no big sweeping show anymore. You know, I mean, I guess. The closest now would be for comedy would probably be like Big Bang Theory or then I guess Walking Dead for drama. I'm not sure. And yet they had nothing. I mean, as big as Big Bang Theory is, right? The, I mean, the the amount of people that watch that show are a slice of what watch Cosby. Cosby, yeah. Cosby was like everybody would go into the living room as a family and just sit and there watch and laugh the show. And yeah, and they go, they're just like us. That, that yeah. family, we're like them, and it's all great in life. Yeah. We feel good for half an hour. But now everyone goes off and watches their separate TVs. Yeah. You know? The disintegration of the American family. Yeah. Hicks, you and your family watch uh, TV together? Um, yeah, we didn't watch Cosby, but we did watch Roseanne together. Roseanne was. That was the, another the, one of those. People shows. loved Roseanne. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the th- this is the weirdest thing of what you could do to be different in those days. People love that Roseanne's house was like a little messy. Like they oh, kept yeah. the the set as messy as a person's house. I related yeah. to the Roseanne set and the the white trash Roseanne yeah vibe. That show was so huge. Yeah, it was gigantic. And it was the first show I think that the parents, instead of you know acting like guidance counselors, laughed at their children's problems. Like yeah, there yeah. was a thing where the little girl accidentally farted in school and she came home and told her parents and they fucking rolled on the ground and started yeah. teasing her instead of like let's see what we can do about this you have a gas problem i know what you're going through <laughs> they also yeah. had like it was almost all normal looking people on that show which you never see now that is really true too well you know seinfeld the the initial thing for the tv show friends was you know kind of pretty Seinfeld, so right. they said, "Oh, look what Seinfeld is doing," and then NBC went back and booked Seinfeld the way they would have in the first place, which really attractive people being and then nicer. Friends became the template still today for yeah. everything. 
Like we do a friends thing. Unless it's like a weird where they're like Mike and Molly where the advertisements for that were just like, it's the fat people show. Right. <laughs> I felt like so bad for the actors. Yeah. But that was the whole thing. It's like, guys, fat's back. That was every advertisement. Yeah. What's going I, on, Shelby? How are you? Now, you this it, was also the thing is like that show will be like every fucking show will be about weight. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's all, yeah. you know, like, oh, he ate a sandwich. Get it? He's hungry. I like a show where you really feel like the guy hates his wife. Like Ray Romano basically hated his wife. Oh, um, yeah, he couldn't King stand King of Queens hated his wife. They get just destroyed by them. Yeah. Masculine. What I'd like to see is like all attractive people, but it's that takes place in a children's burn unit. Oh, so would be so nice. That would be the juxtaposition. See, I, I just... <laughs> Both, you know, Jennifer Aniston, but then there's some kid who's just carted in, you know? Help. And then she's like, I, I can't identify. I, what you're going through just means nothing to me. So you don't even want to say what your show's going to be about, right? I mean, right now we're still, you know, like, I'm still kind of waiting to hear back because it's, you know, it's a blind script deal. So, yeah. you know, like, I, I have a couple ideas that you present to them and then you see what works out. You know, like, I feel like everything, like, with cable, it's almost like you want to go after a certain niche and then with network, it's a symbol. Right. Because you look at, like, the really successful shows. And on paper, it's like Cheers, a bunch of people at a bar, Seinfeld, yeah. a bunch of friends hanging out, a show about nothing. It doesn't sound... Doesn't sound know, all that big of a deal. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't sound like the plot for like being John Malkovich or adaptation. You yeah. know, it's just kind of like, hey, here it is. I remember like the first New Heart, like the second show, that he just kind of goes to this place and like literally the set is empty. And he does the thing, like, I guess I'll meet some people up here, and I'll fill up this area with furniture. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I always wondered, I wondered if they knew what they were doing yet. They knew they had New Heart, and that should work. Yeah. And then, well, you know, we'll just have people for New Heart to bounce off. Is that the first time that a show like that, is, is that the only time where a show, uh, somebody has gone from that like successful show to that successful show where it was basically the same genre? I can't think of another time because yeah. there used to be a thing that if you did a show, they were pretty much done with you for years. Like, I can't yeah. look at Dick Van Dyke anymore, even though he was fantastic. Then they brought him back as serious Dick Van Dyke. But that show, when it was on, was so beloved, but people almost couldn't see it, see him again. Like, they, they almost would get their fill somehow. Yeah. I guess um, Julia Louise Dreyfus has kind of done that, but differently. She went from th this is her third show now with some success. She's so fucking good. She's so good. You watch that Veep, and that show is like so mean spirited, and you're just like, she's so adorable. Look yeah. at her, she's so cute. So I funny. even go back and watch the new, Seinf the old Seinfelds, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, she was the reason. You know what I mean? Like she was so fucking good. Yeah. On that show. Like, and very hard role to make likable, too. Yeah, I mean, she was cool, she was sexy, and she was selfish. Yeah. Not an easy thing to pull off. We're going we're gonna to fix TV, Dan. Don't worry about it. What do right. you want to do, plug, Chris? Yeah, I'll plug. Yeah, plug away. Dan will be appearing at the South Bend Art Hop in Burlington, Vermont, tomorrow at 8 p.m. Go to vermontcomedyclub.com for tickets and more information. Vermont, huh? Yeah, I love it up there. It is nice. And it's not just because I'm playing it. Yeah, tomorrow. and you also have the look for Vermont. You I do. I'm it. a 10 in Burlington. <laughs> <laughs> Burlington is a great town because it's like things that used to be work and now they're art galleries. You know what I mean? Like, 
everyone's like, this is really great. And you're like, yeah, it is great, but 2,000 people used to work here. This is a mill. Making paper. <laughs> yeah, Jared, this is a comic, Jared Logan, who's hilarious, and he has a bit about that in his Virginia town of all the all the factories are out of business so they all work at Barnes and Noble now. Yeah. So all these guys are like, Hey, you wanna you want the newest Twilight, you know? Um all right, Carl in, in Vermont wants to help us out with something. Go ahead, Carl. Uh yeah. Um Ted Danson has had success on multiple sitcoms. He had Cheers, he had Becker and even Bored to Death and his cameos on Curb. You, you know, you even say even Bored to Death. He was fucking amazing. That show was oh, on Bored to Death. Yeah, amazing. He was, he's, uh, and again, what is that? Is he just so likable as a person? Like, you don't run into people and they say, you know who I don't like? Ted Danson. I just no. never had that happen. We also watched a lot of Becker in my household, for whatever reason. And he was kind of cranky and shitty in Becker, Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He was a bit of a dick. But still likable. It's like you want Becker to win in the end. You still want him to win? Yeah. Good. I feel like Ted Danson has that thing, too, where he's handsome but also weird-looking. Yeah. Which I think helps. I don't know if that... No, you know what? It is. You you don't want to be overly handsome. You want to be just handsome enough to make it as a TV star. But, you know, women, like we talked about, like when Cheers was out... Women were so in love with him. And that was another show where a ridiculous amount of people watched the finale. Like Super Bowl numbers would watch yeah. the finales of the show. Um, Liz, Liz, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah, actually, I was calling to um, comment about Cheers. And Kelsey Grammer was able to do a successful spinoff. It happened to have been on for years and, again, was the big viewing audience. It's a weird thing there, too, because he moved it over and got another, like, 10-year run. He was, like, on, like, 20 years as the same yeah. kind. But that's kind of cheating for the, the thing that Dan set up, because it is the same character. Yeah. And he was a minor character on Yeah, Cheers. he's a minor character yeah. on Cheers. If you go yeah. way back, you've got Bill Bixby, who started with the sitcom My Favorite Martian, got the courtship of Eddie's father, and then The Incredible Hulk. Now, right. Patrick well, in TV. Uh, uh, Incredible Hulk would be outside the genre, though. And the weird thing about even um, some of those shows that you watch, go back and see, because they would cancel shows in those days that had 25, 30 million viewers. Like, that was considered yeah. a failure. So I don't think... Either one of those shows didn't run long, right? Yeah, courtship. Yeah, I think. Even though that there was like a spike for that, but yeah, those two going back to back, they weren't. Even though they lived on, they weren't really big hits. Just like the Brady Bunch wasn't a big hit, the way people think. You know, yeah, I always thought Gilligan's was Island giant. wasn't a big hit. I I read a thing the other day about Brady Bunch, and they never got. Renewed for anything more than 13 episodes at any time. Oh, my God. They would actually just say to them, okay, we're going to give you another 13 weeks. See if this works out. How many episodes did that go for? It must have been like, what, five years? Four or five years? They got five years, I think. Five years. Yeah, five years. Five years. 69 But we was right. Five years. 117 episodes. And then people don't like to see children grow up too much. Oh, that freaks everyone out. Yeah, like that's what happened to Home Improvement, where the kid would just come home, and he's bigger than the dad, and he was like, hey, hey, there's nothing to eat here. 
boo, get him off the screen. <laughs> just, just like in real life, you don't want to be around it. Beats Wilson to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will fuck you up, old man. People are like, I can't watch this Let me show see your anymore. Face. <laughs> Let me see your face. <laughs> just kicking at the fucking fence. <laughs> It's a tough thing to fucking pull off for some reason uh, to stay popular on television. Very tough. Very, very, very difficult. Ed O'Neill kind of did that. Like, he took off 20 years between Married with Children and now he's on Modern Family, which is the biggest comedy other than Big Bang Theory, of course. Uh, yeah, Ed O'Neill had a couple of uh, big ones, but didn't he have some failures in between? He didn't back to back it, I don't think. No. I know he had a movie career there for a little while, too. Mary Tyler Moore did the New Heart thing. Back-to-back, huge hits. All right, Mary Tyler Moore is a real... Yeah, there you yeah, go. That's another from one. Dick Van Dyke, where she was kind of loved, and then as the, you know, as the hot wife. Then, I think she was like the first single girl... You know, like I think she was either divorced or broke up. It was considered almost edgy at the time. Like, why doesn't she have a man? Yeah, because she wasn't looking for a man. Like, if you went back and watched that girl, right, the TV show that girl, the whole thing was, is she going to get that guy to settle down and marry her? That used to be (laughs) what every show was about. And after her, she was like, no, I'm going to work. It was considered edgy, and uh, you know, have a pull-out bed. Um, here's uh, Dave. Dave, you're on the Run Fez show. Dave, go ahead, buddy. Yo, guy, uh, listen, uh, what about Buddy Epson and Andy Griffith? They both had a little space between, but they both had successful shows that were back-to-back. Not staying in the same genre, though. I mean, Dan's initial things, he wants to keep it as comedy. I mean, he's pretty, he's been pretty upfront about that. Yeah, you know? he does not want anyone <laughs> straight from yeah. that at he all. He read my memo that I posted <laughs> online today. <laughs> On my LinkedIn account. We know you can turn around and do a drama. That doesn't surprise us. Bullshit. Let's yeah. do the same comedy. First of all, I know my dad would watch anyone solve a crime. It didn't matter what it was. <laughs> they just those procedural shows, man. They just all they have to do is add like one little thing now. Yeah. Like NCIS New Orleans. Right. You see the preview for that? Yeah. It's the same show, but it's like purple. The poster's purple, <laughs> and they have like drinks in their hands. So they're yeah. just drunk cops and, solving know, crimes. Yeah, and I saw the preview. He was like, the city of New Orleans is going to play a part in this. And it's going to be so different because you're going to see them driving around. Post-Katrina. They bring that up, post-Katrina yeah, cops. Post-Katrina. And then NBC had Chicago Fire, and that was like kind of a hit. So then they just thought, okay, I guess people like Chicago. So now they have Chicago PD. Like They're just going to just keep making things in the same city. A lot of people do like Chicago. That is true. They're crazy about that fucking town. You know why? It's windy. <laughs> it is very windy. Um, here is uh, Psycho Bob. Was, even the name makes hey. me a little nervous. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, what about Lucille Ball? She had the show with Ricky Arnaz, and then she went out on her own. Yeah, she did like a couple of different Lucys where she always played Lucy and no one... You know, and just said, oh, my life is different, but I'm still Lucy. Was anyone as big as the first one, though? I Love Lucy? Uh, no, I don't think anything could have been big. That's more of like an Ernest Goes to Jail sort of thing. Where right, just, yeah. You know, Lucy's. They had to keep calling her Lucy because they, if they changed the name of her character, she wouldn't answer. 
<laughs> she was just be what? Now, if you go back and watch like the the I Love Lucy, it's almost abuse on the fucking screen where a man is telling her, "No, I don't want you to leave this apartment. Don't you stay in here?" And then he would say stuff like, "We're traveling to Los Angeles." I've got to go to the business meeting. You stay in this hotel room until I get back. <laughs> so the whole big premise was her not listening, leaving like you know, like she was a child, and getting into some kind of trouble. Yeah, that's that one doesn't necessarily translate over time. I don't know. Yeah, that show really. Now Bill Cosby's first show, I Spy, it was somewhat of a a buddy comedy, mm-hmm. but they still had work to do. You know, they started yeah. to go out there and solve crimes and shit. They were spying on people. Somebody's wife left the house. Yeah. <laughs> they were a black guy and a white guy, and they were friends. <laughs> that was a gigantic leap ahead for America. <laughs> it was just, oh, just off. Like, awful. I don't understand. Why aren't these two fighting? <laughs> no, don't they don't hate get each it. other? They, they're friends. <laughs> this they're is Im- friends. Impossible. Um,. Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Um, Carol Burnett show and then Mama's Family. Well, the Carol Burnett show was variety. Uh, you know, that's like saying Tina Fey had a back-to-back, but really, Saturday Night Live is not, you know, situational comedy. And Carol Burnett only made guest appearances on Mama's Family. Thank you for that fun fact, Fez. That See, was Fez not her show. His, Fez knows his TV facts. <sighs> I don't know much about the old school stuff. I mean, I know Roseanne. What do you know? What, what, do you, what, what for you? What's the golden age of of television? Because they claim it's right now. Yeah, but I think there was like another golden age for people my age, like in the early '90s, with the whole TGIF thing. Like kids growing up around then loved uh, television. Like so, Full what House, were your shows? Like Full House. Yeah, and then uh, Family Matters. Saved by the Bell in the mornings. All right, so here's the thing. How do you make a show and appeal to children? Enough that children would say to their parents, I have to watch this. It's got to be hard. Saved by the Bell, that is one of those shows that like, I was addicted to. And then you look back on it and you're like, how was I addicted? How yeah, did no, I? Nothing like, happened. I was in love with this show. Yeah. And it's the corniest show ever. It's hard, and I watched the Lifetime movie of like the on the, uh, the behind the scenes of what happened. Well, well, ever like turn on the Disney Channel now, and their shows tend to be about twins. No matter what, yeah. kids love to look at twins, and they're like, it's. I guess it's the same little actor always playing it, but one does one thing, and another one does something a little different, and the kids will just sit and stare at that. But for if they're hours. in danger, they both know. Yeah, yeah, they they'll, they'll always be there for each other, even though. One wears a baseball cap backwards. <laughs> He's um, the bad boy twin. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Kevin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, I got an old school one for you. How about the late, great Fred Gwynn? He did Carpet Before Where Are You? And then he followed up with the Munsters, uh, two shows that had nothing in common. Well, they were both comedies, but both of those shows that I'm sure did much better in reruns. You know, reruns used to run quite a bit, like for. Years now, the only reruns that count is Seinfeld. The yeah. fact that after all these years, Seinfeld still runs at like seven o'clock at night, and the fact that as I'm going through and I see one, I'm like, oh, 
I remember this. This is good. And sit and watch it again is fucking amazing. And it runs at 11, too. It runs, it does you know, double duty. You're, you know, preaching to the choir right now, my friend. <laughs> it's more and more. You can get as much as you want. They still have ads in the subway for Seinfeld reruns. They're not yeah. doing that for other shows. Yeah, because it's so w- watched and people feel, I don't know, they almost feel better like about themselves for watching it. Yeah. I don't understand it. But people are like, I must be pretty smart. I'm watching Seinfeld. This is better than I'm everything I'm watching else. one of those twin shows <laughs> over at Disney. Um, here is um, here's Dave. Dave, you're on the Run of Fez show. Okay, I got two to make up for the last one. I got Don Knotts, who took a little time in between, Andy Griffith, and then on Three's Company. And then I got Betty White, because I think she was on Mary Tyler Moore, then Golden Girls, and possibly one in between. Uh, I got to I got to defend Dan's early premise here, is that you've got to be able to star and carry these shows. You can't be uh, a day player and then go on and get your own show. You've got to say this show's about me. That's why Kelsey Grammer doesn't work. He was just one of many characters on that show. It was it, Sam's yeah. show. It's got to be built around that yeah. character. Now, it, I still think what Kelsey Grammer did is pretty goddamn amazing to be able to play the same character for 20 years. Yeah, that's like getting drafted in the sixth round and then all of a sudden you're Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, but, you know, Kelsey's never had a hit since then. And he's gotten a lot of tries. Yeah, well, four, at least four or five shows. It seems like a lot. He's got a new one coming out now, too, with Martin Lawrence. It's already out and oh. on its way out. Oh, is it already on it's its way out? It's not doing well? Not doing well at all. Partners. Not doing good at all. Is it like an I spy for a whole new generation? Yes. Except they're lawyers. All right, my new favorite Fez is going to be TV Fact Fez. Because he's always got the TV facts. He's like a TV guide. Is there even a TV guide anymore? Yeah, there is. Somehow it still exists. Uh, Jason, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Hey, uh, I don't know if anybody mentioned it or not yet, but MASH and Trapper John M.D. That doesn't even make sense. The character jumped, but the the person didn't. There was a show called After Mash, though, that they tried to show a bunch of the Mash guys in Chicago, your favorite town. Yeah. Um, didn't work out for anyone. No one cared unless choppers were coming in. Yeah, because it was Korean War, but I've just thought about this. Like, we put these scarred vets back at home, and we're going to make a comedy about them now. Just, just coping with day-to-day life. Fucking twitching and shit. <laughs> trying to deal. How wha- are we so the, forgotten? The Drunk. wacky neighbor comes in and out yeah. and just shoots him. <laughs> That's the first episode. We should do a thing on just like shows now that would be inappropriate. Because there was a show called F Troop that basically took Indians and compared them to special needs people. (laughs) Basically, they didn't understand anything. They were lazy. (laughs) Every fucking terrible stereotype. Anything that you could come up with. They'd always have blankets wrapped around themselves. That's another thing that sucks about TV being homogenized now is that there aren't those big failures anymore. Like that show, what was the show where it was Lincoln Slave? They try to do a whole show based on Lincoln Slave as like a comedy on that the would, WB. And that should have worked. And it <laughs> did not work. <laughs> the guy from Boston Public was the lead. Can you imagine that pitch? You know what I mean? Just to sit in there. He must have been unbelievable in that room to have them sign off. <laughs> he must brilliant. have been so funny in that room. And you just picture like TV critics just in shock when they get this thing and they're watching. <laughs> 
It's so funny, too, how like a lot of times that people will watch the first season of something, love it, and by the second season start to turn. And Mork and Mindy was one of those shows. Mork and Mindy, the first season was getting like 60 million people an episode. God. People were dressing up with them. And then by the next year, everyone was just like, I don't know. So they're just pulling in, what, 20 million? It's kind of stupid. <laughs> Why does everyone know he's an alien? Mm, let's put the nano nano. Yeah, the alien thing's got to get old after a little bit. Yeah, it can't work for you. It can't, you know, Alf. You're like still with the puppet. And we're still dealing with it. <laughs> yep. The first season, they all loved it. They all hate each other on the set. Like everyone was pissed off that Alf got all the funny lines. Like the guy who played the father just hated that puppet. Well, what do you? Uh, he was going through a lot of problems that guy though. Yeah, but why wouldn't you just be like, yeah, I'm on a show with a puppet. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I think it took like the first. puppet's doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> puppet, what are you doing today? I told you no. <laughs> Put down that cat. I would take that fucking job in a, in a second. <laughs> they were miserable. I read through the Wikipedia of the show one day. Didn't well, wasn't they? the dad a heroin addict too? Yeah. And like he yeah. was going through a lot of stuff. All dads are. <laughs> That, that was the realistic part of the show. I think he was one of those stars they found wandering one yeah. night. Well, yeah, they found him in like a crack house, right, with like a prostitute or something. I don't think he was wandering. I think he was going somewhere with a purpose. They just didn't. <laughs> yeah. They just didn't like the shape he was in. Um, you don't know who you're picking your first week of Highlander, right? I, you know, I got to be honest. I haven't even looked at. The, I know the Giants are undefeated in the preseason, but yeah. I don't think that's going to translate too well in the regular season. You I'm need, a Giants you fan. You need to pick a big favorite your first week. And I mean, I, you, it's always safe to go with the Patriots, right? The first they're going against what the Dolphins. It seems like the, huh? that's, yeah. that's the safest Give me option. Lines. Give me lines here. I know the Eagles are giving up like ten points, so yeah, you know they always figure a way of fucking you in the ass, though. <laughs> Hey, ten's still a lot to cover. I mean, week one, you're getting your fucking... All right, what do you got? Okay, here are the lines for this week. New Orleans Saints are minus three against the Falcons. No, we want big lines. We want big major lines. That, that's a difficult one to bet on because yeah. those two always go back and forth. Broncos minus seven and a half against the Colts. That, I wouldn't I touch like that, that either. Man. I don't like that. You got a fucking quarterback on the other side that can fucking fire. Yeah. And, but that, that's that, and the and the Eagles. Those are the biggest lines of the week. Uh, then there's the Jets game minus five and a half against the Raiders. That's the next highest line. I don't, I don't trust like either that. one of those yeah. teams either. <laughs> this thing's gonna fall apart week one. Week one. Everybody's just out. All right, we got a break now. Yeah. I need some producers to keep me up to uh, speed on stuff. Um, Jeffrey Gurian's coming in here, your buddy, and he's bringing Larry Miller. In with him. I just one met of, him. Yeah. Great guy. One of the best. Uh, we'll be right back. It's the Ron Fez Show. Ron and Fez. On Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Comedy Hits. Channel 99. He jumps around. Jeffrey Gurian. Always trying to bring us something great. What do you got today? Uh, I got a very special guest today. Uh, not only is he a, an internationally known comedian, he's the a star of stage and screen. And <laughs> a very dear friend. Uh, personally, he was the first person I ever interviewed for my book on the comic strip. And it's the great Larry Miller is here with me. Larry. Larry Miller, Boy. good to see you, buddy. Thank you. Boy, that's, uh, that's also, that was awfully nice of you. <laughs> I mean, that's that is. The comics like that, actors like that. Right. Anyone would like that. But to get... Such a 
So sweet introduction. Well, it's the well, truth. Well, you it's know, truth, I think for me always with you, it's besides the stand-up, it's those Christopher Guest <laughs> films. Those things are so great. They are. You yeah. know what? They really are. Those Chris Guest movies and uh, he makes with Eugene Levy and Karen Murphy, their producing partner, I always like yeah. to mention because she's great with them. And I love those guys when... Uh, when Christopher Guest would call up, and it was always a personal call at the house, and right. saying, you know, uh, hey, we're doing this here. There, it was an un there was an understanding between all cast members in those movies. They didn't call your agents or managers, mm -hmm. and that's fine. It was even better that way because it's just so great to get a personal call and say, "Hey, we're coming down to you know, go down to Texas <laughs> here and meet us there, or, or up in Canada here, and yeah. we'll do this here." It's wonderful. And they're good. Yeah, they are good. They're really good. And what's tougher than making a comedy? You know, like, there's so many times that you'll see great people attempt a comedy, should work, doesn't work. And when it does, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to pull off. Comedy is a great gift to give and to get. Mm -hmm. And you're exactly right there that so many comedies, as, you know, as everyone out there knows, yeah. you've got a cast of 12 people or 20 people, each of whom is good mm -hmm. or great. And you think, why does this stink? Yeah. Why am I, why am I nowhere on this? Yeah. And you want to be somewhere on it. You want to yeah. watch it. Yeah. Sometimes like 10, 15 minutes in, you're like, I don't think this is going to work. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, but it's not 10, 15 minutes. It's 10, 15 seconds. And it's not working. Yeah. It doesn't work at all. And uh, there's one I'm thinking of that had a bunch of people I know in it. And, and like, and they're great, but you just knew. I don't even want to say what it was. Right. I don't want to embarrass anyone. But it had a cast of 15, 20 really top-name people, yeah. and they're really good in drama and comedy. And in this, they were not at all good. And you think, as soon as I started watching that, I thought, first of all, I'm sorry I said yes to this invitation. Because now you have to walk out and go, you know what? Who's better than you? <laughs> exactly. You were never better. Yeah. That's what I usually say. Right. You, were never right. you were never better. Well, yeah. we're certainly here. Yeah. And, and at any rate, though, it was terrible. There wasn't one beat. Mm -hmm. That even started to look like it. Uh, never mind, be funny. Yeah, I mean, just be real, be natural, and look like something might happen there. Yeah, it was terrible. It looked like all these people got to the set and congratulated each other. Yeah, on big <laughs> on paychecks, and exactly, <laughs> and shook hands and just yeah. walked around. And uh, I, I was I was in a movie in uh, in Canada in Calgary. And there was one being made in the... It was a big Western. It was a big Spielberg Western, in fact. And uh, they were, the, the people were arriving there, and you could just see they were all, first of all, staying at a gorgeous place. And the point is, you could just see as people walked into the hotel, they would be having very dramatic conversations with each other, almost whispered, yes, I see what you mean. <laughs> and they were just assistants talking to this and that. And as soon as you see that, you, you can tell anything about a movie in yeah. a second. If you see a guy walking with a piece of pipe, any one of the grips walking along, first time on a set on location, you just say, this is a good movie. This mm -hmm. is, you can just tell by anyone in it. Yeah. 
or on it that you that's going to be good. And this, as soon as you saw people walking through the hotels or hmm, and nodding sagely at each other, you realize this is the biggest bunch of jerks in history. Yeah, and nothing good can come of this. Yeah, and nothing did come of it. Ours was good. Well, the 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 guest films, which always so great about them, is you can watch them over and over that's and right. over, and a lot of times. I won't even catch certain jokes or the, the, just a look from someone until like 14th or 15th viewing. You know, I'll just go, yes. wait, I'm going to watch this just for Bob Balaban. Yeah. That one expression I agree. right there. I agree. But he's, yeah. he's so great. I love that guy. Yeah. And <clears throat> pardon me. And there's a woman named Jordan. Uh, Jordan Wolf, who's in casting and is a producer. And she, at a time, thank you. Mm. And she... Uh, he works here, right? I'm yes, just kidding. He does. The guy just puts up water in there. I was, well, I was walking over here from Thank the hotel you, today, and somebody was handing out free samples. <laughs> yeah. And you realize, now there's a, that's like a, 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 as juicy a cliche as you can have. <laughs> right. Now, how dumb do you have to be? Yeah. Your first day back in New York, your 10th year back in New York, one minute back in New York, and there's a guy with a tray saying, hey, here, eat this. How stupid do you have to be so that if you, if you even touch it in the little plastic case if you even touch that you know you'll be you'll have a goiter your grandchildren won't be able to make a fist (laughs) your grandchildren won't won't be able able to make make a fist (laughs) that was that was a strange place to go that's a masterful but that's but that's as you know that's comedy too that's a big Mm. part of it where we go, we yeah. didn't set something up. No. We didn't say, let's talk about this or that. Right. You just start, and something good happens. And when it, when it does happen, yeah. if if you would want to, I would have been with it. If you would just say, after the, hey, they can't make a fist. Oh, that's funny. And if you would just said, all right, we'll be right back. That's a good place to end yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, that's basically cut. cut it out. Yeah, yeah. That's an out, for cut. sure. Yeah. No one in yeah. a week at reading the paper in the morning is going to say, say, that didn't exactly follow, did it? <laughs> when you were here in New York uh, doing stand-up in the early days, and it shows up in Jeffrey's book, what years are we talking about? What? What are the years? That was uh, 77 to 81, roughly. I moved out to Los Angeles in February of 81. Uh Uh-huh. And it was a very lucky time, too, because I had just gotten the first thing I ever got. It was an HBO special called So You Want to Be a Star, Mm -hmm. where they had an actor, uh, a singer, and a dancer... And a comic, and I was the comic. Stephen Bauer was the actor, wow. who then also was uh, w- w- worked with Al Pacino in Scarface, yeah, and many other things. But uh, and the- he now is on Ray Donovan. Stephen Bauer. That's right. He plays an Israeli hitman, that kind of on uh, on Ray Donovan. He was so good, good in. Well, everybody was good in Scarface, but I mean, there was uh, so in. In those days, as they say, we had the best time because we didn't know whenever someone did an interview with me and said, well, it must be a great time to be a comic now because clubs like the Comic Strip right. and Catch Rising Star and the Improv are all open and the, the country is starting to open. It must be great to be a comic now. And I would always say sincerely, no, it's great to be a comic now because I'm alive now. Right. This would have been great to be a comic 50 years ago or 50 years from now. And if you ask me, whenever they ask, so what's it like being in the clubs, all I knew was, I'm here tonight. I'm doing this show tonight, and I love it. 
and this is the business I'm supposed to be in. And I want to be an actor and a comic and a writer. And past the re the rest of how it looks like, I couldn't write, say, a book the way Jeffrey did mm -hmm. about, well, the history of the comic strip. I I couldn't write that. I could be some of the stories. Right? Right, yeah. And then it turns out and it was his girlfriend. Whatever the story <laughs> is, you know. But and you you love that fact that you you stepped in that world and you knew that you belonged there. Yeah. You know, I mean that's really that key to to life for anyone, whatever yes. they're doing. And it's, he was a drummer in those days when right. he first started. He was the drummer at the comic strip. How many people can say that? And that's right. Well, <laughs> me. That's, that's <laughs> basically one, just one. you. There was one. <laughs> That was, and that was great, too, that, you know, we would play for singers there, and we didn't rehearse, but we were pretty good. And so, you know what, it was a great gift, as you just said, to to know that this is right. Mm. What happens? When do you move to L.A.? Who knows? Right. We didn't know. There was a general loose way of thinking that, well, three or four years, you know, working seven nights a week, and... uh but that was fun, too. Yeah. You know, Seinfeld and I used to just walk to the comic strip during the day just to make free burgers. No one was, there was there in the day. Mm -hmm. There was a bartender there in the day, who ultimately was me. But the, the, we, to go in the kitchen and make a couple of burgers and sit there yakking and talking shop and being comics in the empty showroom with free burgers. And then around... 3.30 or 4, walking back across the park to the west side to get ready for the shows, which meant walking back across the park again, shaved and showered, with your new Keds and comedy vest on. Right. <laughs> and then to... It was a wonderful time. Yes, isn't that? That's the amazing thing about it that you could sit, you you could take it any way you choose to. But to be sitting in that club when a couple of years yeah. before you weren't doing comedy, you weren't invited, and then just be thought, I'm inside now. You that's, know, I'm in here. That's exactly right because there's no. Whenever someone would ask, whenever parents would say, and still on the, on the road somewhere, my kid wants to be a comic. What should I say? You should say good morning and have breakfast together. You know, you should. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is I mean what's what's wrong with that it's fine mm -hmm. is it going to be hard what's not hard I would always say what what's better for the kid you want him to work for IBM would that be good right or Amtrak or if <laughs> or he'll get cuz he'll get fired when he's 39 cuz they fire people and what are they going to say to him you know you seem like a pleasant guy and you're kind of funny but we can't use you because you don't you're not one of us right is that what you'd like would you like him to do that or work as a middle manager somewhere in a city government? Would you like that? Well, then what's wrong with show business? And I'm saying I say that now, too. What's wrong with show business? In fact, it's the greatest business in the world to make people laugh. Good Lord. Well, singing, dancing is everything is great. But with what we are, mm -hmm. the kind of people we are to bring comedy to the world. I'm doing a show tonight here. At uh, at Gotham uh, City City Live, mm. mm -hmm. is that the name of it? Gotham Comedy Live. Comedy Live. Yeah, mm -hmm. I should know the names. <laughs> but, you know what? Yeah. But that was pretty close. Gotham in there. And yeah. you are the host, by the way. And I'm the host. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Just the case. All I know is when I leave here, <laughs> I'm going to walk again back to the hotel, still not eat the free thing, <laughs> and then go back and <laughs> shave and shower. Yeah. I'm going to see if the free guy is still there. By yeah. the way. 
Seriously, just to see what he's giving out now. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I I can't imagine the marketing geniuses who would say, let's just let's cut, take hand it out in the street and hand food. it out free, <laughs> yeah. and they'll love it so much they'll never stop. Or they'll go in and buy something now. Yeah, there's a new Ralph's a supermarket's in Los Angeles where I live, mm-hmm. and you go in there and they hand out now. There's always a guy or a young woman handing out free samples mm-hmm. of. It's kind of some kind of thing. It's sort of like a veggie sushi something or other. Pita. But it's it's just no 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 not that there's no breads in it. But it's the point is it's free. And she said, "Would you like a a thing?" And everyone, either people with rude kids, anybody you know, they just they're rude themselves. Kids come over just taking one without asking. Yeah. And they need to be punched, by the way. <laughs> but then Tim Crowley says something nice to me. It's yeah. right near the fruit section, where I'm going anyway. And the point is, I always, I'll always have something. that I'll have it there. It's free there. And I'll have it there. You feel because they do, they have food there. It makes sense a little more than in the, you know, 6th Avenue. <laughs> exactly. Plus, they look, look, you can't love New York much more than me, but no one... <laughs> Handing out free food looks decent here. <laughs> they, they don't look like trustworthy people. This guy may yeah. be the uh, we could be married family man. He could be you know, the, you know a pillar of his community, but he doesn't look like it. And in fact, he he, he looks bad. Yeah, right. he, he looks, looks like he made the food himself yeah, this, by hand. Right? On you know in the, in cell block D, <laughs> he looks like still someone would say. By the way, don't take Bob's food because. <laughs> They'd know. <laughs> even in the cell, even in prison, he'd have a bad reputation. With yeah, the other prisoners. That's right. The, the toughest prisoners would just say, "Just not him. Just not him." Larry will be hosting Gotham Comedy Live on Access TV tonight at 10 p.m. And he'll be at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas with Jerry Seinfeld this Friday and Saturday at 7:30 p.m. Go to Caesar'spalace.com right. for tickets and more information. That's, well, that's, that's great. It's another cool thing. Yeah, it's far working from, tonight, which yeah. brings us together. Yeah, and then uh, tomorrow. I'll go to it sounds well I forget how it sounds I'm going to fly to Vegas with Jerry and we're going to hang out and do two shows and that'll be great and then I'll go home late night Saturday or early Sunday but just imagine like it's you know 1979 you're having those burgers and just hearing about this week that you guys are going to have I mean uh, uh, you know know there would be no way to even predict something like that Uh, or every way to predict it and to and to look for it, but you know what? The main thing is to me, the the mood was the same. Right. Everything was the same. Everything felt the same. Jeffrey's oh blowing God. up over there. No, I know the uh, <laughs> somebody's phone. Jeffrey's phone just rang. But as you all know out there, yeah, when somebody's phone goes off, right, the first thing you think is not oh somebody's phone went off. The first thing you think is. I just hope everyone else hears that. Because yeah. <laughs> if not, you know, it's not like the little bell ringing, and now you're in heaven with wings. It's not. Maybe it's not a little bell. Maybe that's the sound. Yeah. Where you just say, "Look, Larry seemed me, and he was very funny and a nice fella," and then he just collapsed. He heard a strange sound. He said, "What was that?" And he hit the floor. He said, "Whose phone is that?" And we said, "A big pardon," and he just fell over. 
<laughs> At least we can make jokes about falling. But you, that's that right. Because yeah, yeah, he took a, a fall in fall? 2012. Yeah. A, a yeah. miraculous, knock wood, yeah. miraculous recovery. Yeah. Heck of a segue, by the way. It was. Yes, yeah, I'm that, serious. Yeah. Well, not bad. <laughs> but uh, sure, yeah, I had a, uh, a brain injury. I was at... Uh, uh, you know, I was doing a, a podcast, which I love, by the way. I love yeah. the whole podcast world. My podcast, I'd like right. to plug, by love. the way, is called This Week with Larry Miller. Mm-hmm. And it's on... Um, the Corolla Network. Right, on Adam Corolla's network. Yeah. Uh, Larry, and, and it's uh, com is the, is the Facebook... The reason it took me a second to say that is I don't know these things. I must have, I've done like 500 shows now, yeah. and I still have to look at the board that the producer types in on it. That's right. So just uh, please write to us on LarryMillerPodcast.com. And uh, who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> So at any rate, though I uh, was uh, I was uh, yeah. I hurt my head. I had a big uh, brain injury. I was in a uh, in a Bible class, and I there were some kids I, uh, who were in danger when I as I left, and I and I went to save them from these uh, this robbery, and I fell. Or none of that's true. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay, I was in a bar and left the bar. And, all right, so that's I was true. For that. So what? So don't make you a bad person. Well, you know, it, it, it did that night. That, that, that's, that's that's where yeah. that's one of those moments where God actually yells at you and says, "Hey, stupid!" <laughs> and uh, but I was very very lucky. I. Yeah. Uh, I cracked my head like a walnut, and uh, you know I I, uh, I went to UCLA Hospital. This was as seriously that was so tough. When you called, the ambulances were around the corner. They had two that sat there because this bar was <laughs> <laughs> no for that. Was was that's where they they go. If you say to a cabin, where do you go? Well, the flights are coming in from Europe. We'll wait there. <laughs> you say to the ambulance drivers, where do you go? Well, there's always going to be a fight at this joint. A lot of head wounds. Yeah, and they uh, always were very nice to me. Even the the toughest bartenders in the world. When I I cracked my head on the sidewalk and I walked back in there. And I just said, I thought I'd get something, maybe the grilled chicken, you know, maybe have another drink. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what my head looked like because this guy, Pat, was a fine fella, you know, if if you're not fighting him. And he he said, I said, do me a favor, make make me a grilled chicken. Let me have a and let me have another pint of Guinness. And this is out of James. Yeah. And he he looked at me in a, yeah. in a dark bar, by the way. But this is a tough guy. He was a good bartender. Looked at me and he just just said he knew. I can't imagine my head must have looked well, yeah. like a, like a movie. And uh, he just said. Uh, Larry, uh, what happened? You fight someone? And I said, because he knew that was, you know, the, the general instructions were, look, anybody who orders a martini, don't beat up. <laughs> you know, okay, can we just set that? Did you, uh, Pat, did you do that? I didn't touch him. But the he said, you know, why don't you just sit there? And, uh, and he gave me a Coke. And he yeah. said, uh, why don't you call him that? You know what? I'll call. Because they were right out on the side right of the place. So Coleman, uh, you just lean over and go, <laughs> And uh, so I was very, very lucky. And uh, it's a great blessing. I, uh, 
you know, not uh, people die from these things. When sure. you crack your head on the sidewalk, sure, yeah, absolutely. So there was actually brain swelling, all that kind of scary stuff. Sure, yeah. I uh, went to, as I said, UCLA. They uh, put you in a coma mm -hmm. for ten days, and that's what they do intentionally. Mm -hmm. And a medically induced coma. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I came out of it. They were all thrilled. My wife, God bless her, was a champ for me. Was really taking care of me, and uh, and in fact, one night she. This is what happens. This is why it's good to write about. Jeffrey before said to me, "Are you going to perform about this?" Oh yeah, that's it's it's, mm. it's wonderful. It's, it's great for a comic to talk about airports and supermarkets. But this is deep. This is good. <laughs> yeah. She went to... This is absolutely true. She went home. I was still in the coma. And she went home and got so mad. It was about midnight. And the kids are asleep. And she's going to take them to school tomorrow, the next day before coming back to the hospital. And she got mad and went outside onto the balcony and yelled at God. And screamed and just said, All right, look. Heal him or take him. But do it now. I can't take this anymore. And the next day, she went, came back to the hospital, and the doctor said, uh, Oh, Mrs. Miller, good to see you. Uh, good news. Uh, Larry came out of the coma last night, and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, it looks like Wally's going to make it now, number one, and we're going to get to the stage. She was kind of nodding and listening, and she said to him later that day, like an hour later before you go into work, she said... Uh, you said uh, he came out of the coma last night. Do you know about what time last night? And he said around midnight. Why? And he saw her face, and he said to her, is that when you were yelling at God? And he just said that, and she, her mouth opened, and he said, all the wives do it. He <laughs> said, eventually you get mad, and you mm -hmm. yell at God. And he said, but I have to be honest with you, this is the first time it worked. Because <laughs> they get mad, and they yell. Yeah. But then the guys just sail off. Yeah. In any case, uh, yeah. But we were talking about the power of prayer and the power of thought. So many people were praying for him to get better. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Larry said he is too. That, that when you focus your intention on something like that, that you can actually manifest that. Oh, yeah. And we, well, we all use, it's funny, well, same. we all use phrases these days like, let's focus our attention. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, it's, you can, you can pray too. You can yeah. yell or, or say something softly. But the point the, the point is that uh, it's a great thing to write about. It's going to be, it's going to stay great. I love that I'm an, an actor and a comic. And by the way, speaking of Adam Carolla, I'm in a new movie he has coming out called Road Hard. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but that's because it's like anything else. It's worth plugging. I love the guy and I love what uh, working with him. What part do you play in that? I play uh, Baby Doll Dixon. Which is well, kind of my calling card. <laughs> no, it's his real, uh, real manager's name. Yeah, Baby Doll Dixon. They call him Baby Doll. And uh, but we did good things together. We made it funny, and we made this guy uh, rich with plenty of women around. These were my ideas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have plenty of women around if your well, name is Baby Doll. I think you know it's show business, but. That's good. I love this stuff, but it's going to be great to keep writing and performing about, hey, anything interesting happened? Well, I cracked my head like a walnut. Mm. 
That's kind of interesting. Do you remember anything from the coma times, or did you just went from the bar until it's two weeks later in your in your mind? Uh, one of my friends was a great writer and uh, run on Law and Order. By the way, he's a, he's a great writer. He was out there visiting me. Out there, he came to the hospital, and I was out of the coma. And he, as he said, he walked in, and there was one of the nurses was a nice young woman, and she was she was holding my hand and telling me something that had happened in her life. And uh, that was that was sad, and that she didn't know how to well focus on it. And uh, and I just you know I was that I nodded, and I just said to her, and I said, you know what, this is something. Uh, you just hang in there and do this. And she left, and I smiled, and she smiled, and she left. And I said, and I turned to him and just said, "Get me the blank out of here, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm I'm done now." <laughs> that's it. That one did it for me. Yeah, that's it for me. Uh, we need to break here, Chris. Yeah, one more time. Well, let's uh, do your plug thing. Larry Larry Miller will be hosting Gotham Comedy Live on Access TV tonight at 10 p.m. and he'll also be at Caesar's Palace in Vegas with Jerry Seinfeld this Friday and Saturday at 7:30 p.m. Go to Caesar'sPalace.com for tickets and more information. And Larry's podcast this week with Larry Miller is at Larry Miller Podcast. Com. And Dan Sage remains also in studio. Dan will be appearing at the South Bend Art Hop in Burlington, Vermont, tomorrow at 8 p.m. Go to vermontcomedyclub.com for tickets and more information. Dan's got to get rocking, Thank you right? guys so much for having me. And it was so great yeah. to meet you. Same Larry. here, pal. The whole time yeah. I was thinking of uh, the, the, tr- the secret is they always jump. <laughs> they, <laughs> oh, they. That's so See, that's a, they don't tell you that, but it's true. <laughs> they all jump. <laughs> and the, the, I, the I Killed story is like your, my favorite one in that book. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, neat. So Thanks. Funny. I'll see you guys later. Okay. Thank you, guys. Nice to meet you. I'll be back in New York. All right, my friend. Take care, guys. Take care. Safe travels. That was uh, a line I did from a a speech in one of the Christopher Guest movies. Yeah. Because they're improv, by the way. Um, A lot of people don't know that, that there's... They have a great sense of the outline they make, and they're they're real... He's a great director, Christopher Guest, and he's... He lets takes run for far longer than he yeah. for, for a minute, two minutes, three minutes, and we'll just say along the way. Now that was good, you know. Start again now. As would you just go and do this, and so start that. Come in there like again, and you said this, and you did this, and let's see where that goes. And so that's one of the things he had mentioned. For, for me, I think one of my favorite things that you you've ever done is just a reaction shot to this uh, when Corky is doing the play and waiting for Guffman, and the play is just shit. But then it comes over to the mayor, and he's just you see he's just blown away and so happy. And the white <laughs> socks are showing. And it was after you did that thing of can you do it? Can you make this town strong? It's so great. So great. Larry. That is a good... By the <laughs> way, thank you. And that movie is so good. They all are. But Waiting for Government is such a good movie. That woman Jordan I mentioned before told me she uses that as a boyfriend test. That if she's going out with someone and it... She's gone out the, the second date and the third yeah. date, and they're at, you know at a point where it may turn into something. Right. Uh, and uh, at that point, she'll make him a dinner at her apartment. <laughs> right. And you know just a chicken dinner or something, and then they'll sit down and she'll put in waiting for Guffman. <laughs> and if he hasn't seen it, and just see if how he reacts. If he just <laughs> says, you know what, I frankly th- think they're all stupid. I don't know what we're doing now. Then she. She thinks, and correctly so, right. this isn't going anywhere. It won't be good for me if I 
keep opening up to him. And other times, you know, if he says, you know, if he just laughs and says, this is great. I can't believe they're performing this way. Then she thinks, all right, maybe there's something here. I've done that before with uh, Modern Romance, the Albert Brooks movie. I was yeah. watching it with a girl, and I'm crying, laughing, and she's seeing him as the worst, meanest person <laughs> who's right. ever left. And I'm like, this is probably it's not going to work. Not you, gonna, can't, you can't do yeah, that. This is not, if you don't play yeah, comedically, yeah. if you can't laugh together yeah, at the same time. If we can't things, agree on Albert Brooks, it, yeah. I can't imagine anything else. There's, First of all, good. <laughs> second of all, the, the world of movies and TV and plays and books and everything mm. is like that very much, especially movies. We all mm. love movies. And if you've said you love something, if you're really interested in something, you like westerns. And I do, by the way. But if you just like westerns, and if someone says, you know, I can't take it because I don't like a happy ending, then you, know, <laughs> then you might have to say, then how about I take you home right now? Right. This might maybe, be, yeah. maybe we could write to each other. We're going to skip <laughs> dessert. All right, let's break here. We'll be right back with Larry Miller. It's Ron and Fez show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits Channel Fence show, Larry Miller in here today. So funny, so to, to actually, I was actually just saying to, to take something like a coma and to get us laughing about it is an incredible gift. It's amazing. A coma, right. becomes a really funny story where he's now using it as a positive. Like, oh, this is great. I've got something. I hope Joan Rivers winds up doing the same material. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. You know what awesome. though? Thanks, but. No, they're not but, but and, that's why comedy is a great gift. What a wonderful way to spend life. It doesn't mean every time, time I've done, I've done a show in the past and then, uh, at one of my school reunions, then, uh, there's a guy speaking on, uh, economics yeah. and there's another guy who is on the president's council of this or that and, uh, then the, they, they said, and then on the lighter side, Larry Miller came up and, it may be it may be a vein but it's not really to me i always want to say it's not the lighter side you're wrong there we're all wrong there it's not and now instead of something interesting and serious right and those things are never interesting and serious by the way you want to say to everyone on those councils you know what you really need to well open a sunglasses store somewhere but i live in a castle in ireland and just and most important go away is what you need and so uh, to to me though it's not the lighter side a, a, a coma or anything else in life if you approach it right the audience always knows about a comic. The second a comic walks out on the stage, and I mean the second, that audience knows right there he's a decent man or he's a rotten man or he he likes us or he hates himself or whatever it is. The audience knows that deep inside, and they respond the same way. That's why 
when a comedy show is good or even great, that's why you leave that show thinking, I feel terrific now. Mm. And that's not the lighter side. That's the heavier side. Yeah, it's the deepest stuff. Yeah. Um, Chris, you wanted to do a couple plugs here for Jeffrey. Oh, yeah, Jeffrey Gurian. He'll be hosting New York's Funniest Reporter Show at the Comic Strip Sunday. Who's going to win this, Jeffrey? I hope the girl from CNN. That's the one I'm working with. Are you really? (laughs) (laughs) Brooke Baldwin. She's very funny, actually. She's really funny. That's happening September 14th at 5 p.m. And Jeffrey's book, Make Him Laugh, 30 Years of the Comic Strip, the greatest comedy club of all time, is available now. And you can subscribe to Jeffrey's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Gurian News Network, with over 300 interviews with all your favorite stars. Uh, this was a club, of course, that Larry was at back in the 70s. Seinfeld was part of your, your class, your gang. Who else? And, well, he met Seinfeld on the yeah. bus. I thought that was such a cool story. Traveling across town. Right? To go to the comic strip. To go to yeah. the comic yeah, strip. Yeah, the, the M17. But uh, the first time I, uh, I saw him was the, my first night at the comic strip. I was working at Amtrak mm-hmm. on the uh, telephones there and reservations. Uh-huh. And uh, this was just about a six, nine-month thing. And then I went to work for the police department there. They have a full police department. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fully empowered, like armed and, and everything. And I was uh, in the office there. The point is... But uh, I went to the comic strip. One of the young women there said, you know, I heard you want to be a comedian. And a friend of mine, this turned out to be Tony D'Andrea. Tony D'Andrea, wow. who's actually started the club, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he works at a new club called The Comic Strip. And uh, I went there that night. And it was later. It was around twelve thirty-one in the morning. And they, uh, Tony was really nice. And uh, he said, hey, come on, I'll take you in the back here. And I went on, uh, I went in the back, rather, yeah. and the second I went in, uh, Seinfeld was introduced as the next comic. So I sat there, and I watched him, I said, hey, well, this guy's funny. And the next day, or the next week or so, when I was on the bus going across town uh, to go to the club, I saw him sitting there, and that's when I went over and introduced myself and said, I just saw you the other night at the comic strip, and I'm... A comic too now. I'm going to audition there, and that's how we met. And tomorrow, there you are. You know, it, tomorrow we're going to be getting on a plane for Las Vegas to go do shows there. And it's not, that's not to me. That's not wow. What a change. Yeah. What what an astonishing development that couldn't have happened any other way. Well, no, I don't see it that way. I just see the same. Well, the same emotions, the same spirit as the the day I walked over the across the bus to say hello, and the same still chasing that same thing, whatever comedy is chasing that muse after all these years. That's you right, know? and uh, chasing it or giving into it. Yeah, and, and Jerry said when he came to your wedding. He said he made a speech, and he said to this day he wished he had taken a cab. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But when that's you right. say giving into it, what do you mean? Just surrendering yourself? Sure, to, because yeah. that's the point of, yes, you're conquering something. You know, mm-hmm. what it, you, you're conquering yourself. but uh, And your own demons and wolves inside you. Right. But in terms of the muse and the spirits that want you to be funny, that make you funny, that make you want to entertain, that created you, because that's why you're here, you know. Mm-hmm. You're you're poised, you're ready, you're molded in this right way to be a comic and an actor and a writer. 
And, you know, someone points that finger down from high above and says, yeah, you. Yeah. So I, I just always say, why not do that? You're yeah. going to be hearing it for a long time anyway. If you don't do it, then the big meeting after life is going to start with, first of all, why didn't you do what I sent you to do? Well, uh, let me just let me just point out, if I may, that uh, first of all, is this the chair everyone sits in? Because it's it's a little embarrassing, and I think that'll be true that you're in the chair that everyone sits in, and you have to answer that question: why 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 didn't I? I beg pardon. What, what did you say again? Well, that's what you're going to have to go through. So why not now? Why not here? When uh, Jeffrey called and said, hey, how about your show? Yeah. I said, well, of course, why not? And uh, will it be before the I walk back past the fast food guy <laughs> and, and, and to get ready for the show tonight? Sure. Well, if I didn't have to do this show, then I could what? <laughs> You could what? <laughs> you want to watch another Andy of Mayberry? And the answer is yes, by the way. But that you're made to be a comic. Go over and sit down and be a comic. That's great, man. That is great. And I've never heard anyone just say, surrender themselves to it, as if this energy is already moving in that direction anyway. You know? Yes. Yeah. And remember, you're going to have to answer anyway. Mm -hmm. And that won't be a good answer. Mm. You're not going to like that answer. Well, now you have to go back and be the cow. Well, I don't want to be the cow. All right, the lizard. So, I mean, it's going to happen anyway. There'll be a price to pay. Why not pay it now? And why not just say, I'll write now, I'll perform now, I'll say thank you now, and then I'll go out. Just what I'm going to do when I get back to that hotel. But you don't face any of these roles with fear. You're not nervous about some of these roles that you're playing or some of the gigs that you get, Larry? Well, there's, it depends how you define fear. Of course mm. you have some trepidation, if, there's, if that means fear. Yeah. I mean, some, but very little. I've done some wild stand-up jobs and wild acting jobs. Yeah. There was one, in, I don't even know if the place is still open. I was still in the comic strip days. Some people saw me at the comic strip and hired me to perform at New York, New York, which was a disco. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know this. So this was, well, this yeah, before I moved to ago, Los, right? yeah, yeah. before I moved to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and this is going to be two shows on a Tuesday night, eight. And three thirty. <laughs> yes. There's no other way to explain that except by saying it. Two shows. Yes. Eight and three thirty. Yes. And I went down there. This was in the studio fifty four days. Mm -hmm. This would have been about nineteen eighty, seventy nine, eighty. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was thrilled to get a job, and it was good money. It was going to be a hundred dollars or something for uh, for the two shows, and. That's terrific. And uh, so I went down to the first show. There's uh, a gigantic uh, showroom in this huge, multi-roomed, multi-floored disco. And it was so powerful in music that just in the showroom, the beat of the disco music, which was way in another part of the building, but it was still just... It was so strong... It was fluffing the shirt off my body. <laughs> just the bass beat. <laughs> the vibration. <laughs> you could, just the waves. It was like heat coming off a heater in elementary school where you see it yeah. move. And there was just 20 or 30 people there in this huge 
thousand person showroom, but that's fine. You do the 20 or 30 people, and I did my show, and the announcer was off stage. And now, please welcome, you know, Larry Miller. And I was, so I went, then the, the manager of the place took me into the, uh, where they serve drinks and just said, okay, you can wait for a while. You mean it's going to be seven and a half hours until the next show? But I'm fine with that. Because I'm, you know, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's 80 cents a minute. And so the point is, I said, fine. And he, and, uh, he, I remember I turned to him because that was where they make all the drinks and where you can pour a soda or something. Mm -hmm. And I turned to ask him something. And and he was making out with uh, one of the uh, waiters. In the sequence shorts, so there's a moment there where you just okay. So listen, so if I want to, no, good lord, and you just a okay. male waiter or a female waitress? Uh, he was making out with. It was a male waiter a today. Male waiter. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But the point is, I went back to the showroom at three twenty. And I walk around. I don't get bored by places, but I'm ready to go. I'm all dressed up at three twenty, and I'm there next to the big door into the room. Now for the second show, I just glance in. There's zero people there for the show, <laughs> except two. There, the room's empty, and the two, the young man and woman, uh, on the side on one of these banquette uh, boots, if that's what it's called, and they're copulating. <laughs> they're, they're they're engaged, and uh, he's sitting on this thing, and she's sitting on that thing, and they they're just and I'm watching them and think the first and only thought I had was, you know. Good for them because they weren't going crazy, but they looked like, at least to me, yeah, I wish I could do that someday. You know, I mean, they look like they know what they're doing. And there was one other person watching with me, the busboy, with a tray of cups and the white jacket. So here's the two guys, the only two guys in this place. We're both watching them, and I glanced down at him, and he looked up at me, and we both just shrugged and went back to watching them. And then the same announcer off stage just said, So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for our second show tonight. Larry Miller, he doesn't see anything. He's, you know, he's doing a crossword puzzle in the booth. And he said, but Larry Miller, no, they don't, the room's empty except for them, and they're doing it. And I looked back again at the busboy, we both shrugged one more time, and I walked out on stage, because I knew I would, because I knew just to be able to say, I did it, in case anyone ever said, you ever have a really tough audience? Well, once. But I knew I just wanted to, to get back to the comic strip to tell the other fellas. Yeah. So how did that show go mm-hmm. at uh, the disco? You know what? I think you're going to want to hear this. <laughs> Two people came. Oh, that was it. Larry Miller, thank you so much, my friend. Well, that uh, Those stories are better than most movies. That was, that's amazing, all, yeah, it's already done. That's so great. Larry Miller, go ahead, uh, Chris. Larry will be hosting Gotham Comedy Live on Access TV tonight at 10 p.m. And it will be at Caesars Palace in Vegas with Jerry Seinfeld this Friday and Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Go to CaesarsPalace.com for tickets and more info. His podcast this week with Larry Miller is at Larry Miller podcast.com and Jeffrey Gurian will be hosting New York's Funniest Reporter Show with a comic strip Sunday, September 14th at 5pm and you can subscribe to Jeffrey's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Gurian News Network with over 300 interviews for your favorite stars that's it for us, thank you again Larry that was really really great, I'll be seeing you and I'll see you uh, I'll see you a little later on yep. yeah, that's the end of my show donk Satellite's gone way up to Mars 
Listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.